show in the world featuring David Ladd. It's time to grease your weasel and do whatever you pleasel because we're about to rock your 8-bit world. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Cocosock, episode 258, and happy Easter, everybody. It's time for that bunny to come hopping. All right, well, I was hearing some echo there, so I don't know if anybody else is not wearing headphones right now, but I was definitely hearing an echo, and that is part of the joys of trying something new live. But uh, welcome, everybody, uh, and ha- happy almost Easter. Who was that? Who just spoke? Steve, uh... I, I contacted Curtis Boyle and he says room is full. You can't get on. So should I leave so he can get on? Oh, oh, I was going to leave. There's nine people here. How can we be full? He can't get on. He have he has other things he could be doing. <laughs> Been screwing around Six, with that. Seven, eight. I don't think he's very happy. Okay, well, um, should I leave so he can get on or what? Uh, I I was going to leave. All right, welcome to live stuff, everybody. Um, so we're down to seven. I tell you what, I'm I'm just going to end the stream, and um, you guys can figure it out then, because I, I I don't even know what to say right now. What do you want to do? Do you want to just pick it up the old way? Or right, Curtis, can you join now? I'm. I right, just just for the benefit of the of the confusing people who are watching right now. Um, I'm trying to do a new way to stream the show through a web studio, and I've been trying to get this tested throughout the week, and unfortunately, we haven't been able to get people to uh, to come along and test it with us. So now that we're going live, there's confusion and there's frustration, and all I can say is I apologize, but um, that this is this is where we are right now. So Curtis, if you'd like to try to rejoin, we should have enough people in here. The one limitation to doing it in this web studio is we can only have 10 participants so while we're figuring out that let's just uh let me just uh let's just keep the show moving and let's say hi to uh, mark bosley in the house hello mark bosley how are you oh all right and i'm Rondo here Vo is here he hi. is from arizona uh rick you is here hey rick howdy folks stevie stroh is here that's me. Hello, hello. Ken Waters, Canadian Retro Things, is here. Hello, Ken. Hello, and good morning, everybody. Because, you know, it's morning here. And David Ladd is here. David, are you excited to be here? Why, hello, everyone. And yes, I am. And um, uh, what's his name? Nick Morentes is here. Good hi, Nick. Sorry. I was... Good, 
<laughs> good day, everyone. Good day, good day, good day. So, um, yeah, there's some interesting features to how we can um, lay out the screen here on on this. Uh, it's it's a different animal, and yeah, granted, I'm I'm doing a live show on a still slightly untested uh, platform, but I was trying to schedule tests this week. Um, so, but let's, let's so we might we're probably going to have some updates and acquisitions and other things to talk about. But let let me just address. Uh, Frank is here. I believe this is Frank from Canadian Retro Things. Hey, Frank, how are you? He says, afternoon, kids. See, this is what I do like, is we can um, we can, we can can show people off, like Tim Franklin's here on Facebook. Hey, Tim Franklin says, I say we vote to see who gets voted off the island. <laughs> <laughs> James Diffendaffer is here. Guess I won't try to join. So yeah, that's the downside to uh, Kevin Holloway. says, I hear a train and there's heavy breathing. And Jim Rye is here and he says, hey, I hear breathing, someone's there. Okay, so um, so yeah, we're we're Mark Siegel is here. Hello, Mark Siegel. Hello, hello. Um, so and it's weird how I have to click on that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's some weird things we can do with this, and um, yeah. So hopefully Curtis can rejoin us. The one downside to this, besides the fact that um, we got to figure out how to use it, the one limitation to doing this is we can only have ten people on the panel, and um, I don't necessarily think that's the worst thing in the world. Um, matter of fact, for myself, one of the reasons why I've switched to this platform is this that I um, I need to take some time away from streaming the show. I am not taking time away from the community or still being on Discord or still doing things like, you know, recording commercials and doing, there's a ton of behind the scenes that goes on all week, but I just have a lot of things. Why is my camera all kinds of screwed up here? I don't know. Um, but um, I cannot... Um, stream the show on a regular basis moving forward. And the only person we have to do it is Mark B. And I'm trying to set up a system where other people can do it and help us out. So that's been the plan. Um, so, and when we talk about, hey, we only have 10 people on the panel, honestly, I don't need to be here, right? Because I don't have anything to say. I haven't worked on the Cocoa this week, so I don't necessarily need to be on the panel myself. So the downside of having 10 people, yes, it's not as fun as it used to be, but I think we can maybe... Uh, focus on the show. But again, this is this is basically a live test because we have not been able to get a uh, prior test this week. And I'm really confused as to why my camera is like going anywhere but where my face is, but that's okay. Uh, anyways, hey, Curtis, you're here. Welcome, L. Curtis Boyle, to the program. Yo, hopefully the news works, crossing my fingers. <laughs> Nothing like trying to spend an entire week coordinating. I swear to God, herding cats comes to mind. Most of well, the I think part of the problem is that it's a long weekend, so my work week was compressed. Ah. So I haven't had time to look at Discord or do anything. Uh, yeah, I didn't even know you were doing this today until like yeah, okay. Well, anyways, so one of the things I was saying was this: is that um, you know I I cannot um, commit to being the person who streams the show every week right now. I want to be in the back seat of streaming the show. Uh, I'm not going to be taking a back seat to any other involvement. I'll still be in Discord. I'll still be in our planning channel. I'll still be recording things and uploading things. But I need other people to stream the show. And part of me doing this was to just create a system to make it as easy as possible where anybody with a computer and one monitor can stream the show. We don't need a super complicated setup. The downside is, yeah, we're limited to 10 people. But... Um, we don't always always have to be on the show either so that to me i think that's the only negative to doing this the positives are we i can open this up to anybody can stream 
of course, this is a, this is a test. This is a trial. We may do it and we may not like it, but um, I, I need to focus on other things in my world outside of running the show. And I do apologize uh, to everybody, but that's just what I have to do. Um, if Mark B, if you want to keep doing it the way you're doing it, being the trooper you are, then you knock yourself out. But I'm trying to help you out too, brother, because because it's just you and me, right? We, we got 250 episodes that have only had two sets of shoulders to carry them. So I'm trying to get more people in here to carry the load. Um, but anyway, so we'll move on from that. But that's kind of that's one of the reasons why we're doing this. And of course, it's live, right? So even when we're using OBS and we know we think we know what we're doing and we do it live, there's going to be issues, right? Um, we didn't introduce the panel, everybody but Curtis. Curtis is here. We do have game on to do, but this is what I like. This is one of the things I do like. Like right now, I can highlight Jim Rye's chat, right? So here's Jim Rye. He says, hey, Marco, right? I like that. The fact that Tim Franklin said something, and now AC's 8-bit zone just came in here and said, hey, Marco, right? So those are cool features. That's stuff we didn't have before. So there's a little bit of eye candy. There's a little bit of... Uh, little fun playtime things we can do with this but you know there's other parts i have i have a question is there like a paid tier or something that you can actually do more than 10 participants no no this is paid. this this is paid um okay. to be able to customize it um and 10 is the limit and i actually looked at another platform before my mouth is dry hold on we'll do it live but no i looked at another platform called Streamyard, and at the time too i was like you know what a lot of cool features, but it only allows 10 people. And at the time I said, well, God, 10 people is not going to work. And here's the other thing. We could use this as OBS. We could still use Zoom if you want to, right? Just use this as the as the foreground and use Zoom as the background. But again, my idea was let's get this thing polished and fine-tuned and create something that anybody can run a average show on it. We don't need a lot of bells and whistles. Um, but again, I, I kind of I need to step away from the driver's seat of being the streamer for this show, uh, and, and I need help. And so this was my idea to hand something off to make it as easy as possible for anybody else to be able to stream the show. Whatever you guys end up doing, I will bow to your better judgment. But um, I don't think 10 people necessarily is the worst thing in the world, because honestly, other than me having to stream it today, um, I don't need to be here. Right. What did I, I didn't do anything in the Cocoa Hobby this week, so I don't have anything to say. So I can be one less uh, uh, chunk of wasted space on the screen right now. Um, I think we can possibly do shows with 10 people and we can have people come and go. You know, you can say your piece and then sign off, let somebody else come on. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. And again, you guys might say, you know what, this sucks. I don't want to do it. You figure it out. Uh, I don't know. No, nothing but love, no hard feelings, but I, I think it's nice to have it as a backup. I mean, as you said, sometimes if you and Mark can't stream, it's either no show at all or or this. Then I would pick this. All right. Well, I'm already telling you right now, I can't stream. So now it's just Mark. So if Mark wants to be the guy to do it 100% of the time and do it the old way, that's Mark, that's your decision. But I would like to train you guys and get you guys set up where you all know how to do this and have other people able to do it. But again, after this week, that's somebody else's call. Um, uh, Mark, uh, Rocky Hill is here. Hey, Rocky Hill. Rocky Hills here. Again, it's it's something different. We'll have to get used to it and whatever. Anyways, um, other than that, I, I'm getting used to playing around with all the different things here. We also have some captions. So how about we talk about, um, before we get into the results, did anybody have any um, project updates or acquisitions this week that they want to talk about? I think, Rick, you, you mentioned you might have. Oh, yeah. I was messing around with a few things this week. So I've been talking about the um, 
the drain in the co cocoa that I talked about. Well, here's some evidence that it works. Um, Let me uh, make that big. Okay, when you say the okay. drain in the cocoa. There, there's like a, a, a gutter under the keys on the cocoa, and it drains out by the space bar, by this pile of gutter trash and this mm -hmm. pile of gutter trash. <laughs> so the what, drain is draining. What's draining? Things that are spilt on the keyboard. Oh, okay. So it's not like there's some electronics that are leaking. This is like if you spill something. You spill something, truck. it runs down oh. your keyboard and drops through here by the spaceboard where it will just run out the bottom and not short and out So anything. this this is kind of like the crumb catcher. So yeah. This is this like is... that tray in the bottom of the toaster oven that you have to pull out every now and then to get all the crumbs out. If your space bar quits working, <laughs> just maybe <laughs> one. <laughs> and uh, then going on... Uh, I noticed, so here's a typical cocoa case bottom, and it's got a stick-on stick label for the stuff that they didn't put on the main label, right? You'll notice that the only lower case on the entire cocoa is this stick-on label. So I got to wondering, when was lower case actually invented? And I looked back further, and I found this even earlier typed in. It's a typed stick-on label. When you're talking about lowercase, you're just talking about the font, the mixed case. The font, the font. lowercase font. Nothing in any cocoa label anywhere is lowercase anyplace. If you look oh, here. Oh, it's always in all caps. It's all, all caps, except for the stick-on label. The double insulated and, one that's mixed case. Exactly. And then now here's the earliest double insulated label. Yeah, that looks label. like it was done on a typewriter or like a, 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 a daisy wheel printer or something. Just like the C compiler manual for OS9, it was ah. typed out on a typewriter in Xerox. But again, <laughs> the only lowercase at all. So I go back further and uh, end of the line. They didn't even put a label on the X-pad. It's just a opening of case will void your warranty. Again, all caps. Okay. But at least they were consistent. Uh, let's see. Where else are we going? And then, you know, I had to point this out. Radio Shack RS-232 cable. But you flip it over, expecting Tandy Warren cable. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Custom, Custom manufactured, manufactured in China. China by Space Shuttle C, which has got to be a good cable there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, lastly, getting ready for the Cocoa Fest. Time to make the donuts. Time to make the joysticks. But you'll notice I have put all the little cable hoods on ahead of time, so I can't forget them. <laughs> <laughs> And that was my week. All right, that's cool. Does anybody else have anything they worked on this week uh, you want to share? Um, I received a um, a Joey from uh, Jason. Christ. It took a while to get here. Um, problems with postage from the US to Australia, I guess. But it finally arrived. So I've got my Joey. Um, haven't had a ch much of a chance to play it, but it's arrived, so that, that 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 was good. Oh, that's cool! It's nice to know that the fake Australian products made it to real Australia. Yeah, we've <laughs> <laughs> seen a kangaroo swim. Hmm. Right, Scott Cooper says hello, Coco Peeps. Hello, Scott Cooper. Um, anybody else have any project updates or acquisitions? Stories to tell, stories to share. I have Anyone a Coco any... 5 to show. A Coco 5. Oh, I saw that on Facebook, Ryan. Yeah, go ahead. I saw that. You going to share that? Okay. Can you I, see I, it? Yeah. I think I need to. Yeah. Hold on one second. I need to. Um, 
I don't know why your screen share didn't show up big all the way. Let me make that big. Hold on one second. Okay. I see yeah. Coco five. <laughs> some of the comments here say, does it have a real time clock? Does it have a real time <laughs> clock? Does it have a sound chip? Mm -hmm. Does it, uh, does it have um, uh, drive wire built in <laughs> drive wire? Drive Looks wire. like it comes in eight colors. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's, listen, it's a color computer. It's all good. Um, it's got all eight colors at once. It must be a semi-graphics yeah. Coco 5. So, um, so this is Easter weekend. Does anybody have plans with family this weekend? Celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus? That's what I did yesterday. Oh, uh, you had the family? Yeah. Mikey is here. He likes it. He likes it. Hey, Mikey. Um, yeah, yeah. So I have family coming in on Sunday. And by the way, I wanted to be on the show next week. Let's 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 do that right now. Let's tease. Um, let's tease Terry uh, Steen coming in here again. This is me playing with the new um, the new the new studio here. But check this out. Hi, this is uh, Terry Steen, author of uh, Coco games like uh, Gray Lady, Balloon Fire, Gunfighter, and uh, Miss Pack. And I'll be on the uh, Coco Talk show live. April 23rd at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Hey, this hey, is this uh, Terry Steen. I'm the author of a bunch of Coco games like yeah. Moonfire. I'm hearing an echo on that, and I don't know if that's the studio now or not. But did you guys hear echo on that? I heard that echo. Just me? Okay. Yep. I'm wondering if I add that as a source if we're hearing it twice. But, yeah, so next week. Is next week the 23rd or is it the week after? Next week. So next week is going to be Terry Steen, and I wanted to be here for that interview, but it is my nephew's birthday, so I will not be able to attend, but I'll be with you guys in um, in uh, spirit. And Amigos Retro Gaming says, uh, I thought it sounded that way because he was so legendary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So next week, Terry Steen's going to be here, and I wanted to be here, but I can't. So Terry, I'm sorry. I love you, man. I'm going to miss that interview, but uh, my, my parents are coming down. It's my nephew's birthday, and it's just the whole thing. So um, I won't be able to make next week. Uh, hello, Amigos Retro Gaming. So yeah, next week's interview is um, Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire, Gray Lady, Mrs. Pack. He is the real-life inspiration for Nightmare Highway, the song, the video game, and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, who knows? Oh, you know what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know what? I think I might have to fix something where I'm not logged in as me i think one of the seats is eaten eaten up by the main account that might be why it said the thing was closed again this we're doing it live man we're we're, we're making it and breaking it uh, live and on the air i think i can probably fix that eight bits in the basement says hi people hello eight bits um all right so if there are no more project updates and or acquisitions and again now that i know i'm going to hear echo when i do this but i am going to play um uh, our game on results, right? So let me see something real quick here. Do I have a hard-coded video for game on results or is that just um, in, I do not. How about we do this? Before we go to, to game on results, I'm gonna go ahead and run who's new to Discord and I'm gonna run thank you to our patrons and you guys will all be muted. I will not be able to hear you. So if there's anything you wanna say, um, you can put it in the private chat, which you'll see on the bottom here. So I'm gonna run two clips that will mute us all. I'm gonna run, uh, uh, new to Discord, and thank you, patrons. And then we'll be back for game on results here in just a minute. Time for everyone's favorite segment Who's new to Discord this week? Freon. Hello, my first name is Brian. I made it here from the Glenside Color Computer Club website. 
Derek 2210. Hi, my real name is Derek, and I live in the UK. I like older retro computers, and quite by chance, I bought a Coco 2 locally which after reading up on the computer looks very interesting. My Coco 2 is 16K so I am upgrading this to 64K and changing the ROM to extended basic 1.1 and color basic 1.3. I hope to complete the upgrade in the next few days. The previous bios were edited for time's sake. Thanks to, Melly, Boysontech, Paul Fiscarelli, Eric Canales, The Glenside Color Computer Club, Terry Stag E, and the Kokatok patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. At discord.kokatalk.live We'd like to thank our patrons who sponsor our program. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Bowden Aaron, Brendan Donaghy, Brian Weasler, Brian Walsh, Aaron Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daddy Burrito, Danielle Williams, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jay Style, Ken Riker, Malfunct, Melly, Michael Pitsley, Michael Rayburn, OG Hugo, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Retro Tech Time, Rick Eulen, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Thayer, Tom C, Tom Gunderson, Tom Heron, Tom S, Tony C, and William Athing. Thank you ever so much, patrons. All right. Thank you for our patrons. And our late, our newest patrons, our newest patron is Melly. And if you don't know who Melly is, Melly has been uh, in our Discord server for a while, and she's doing all the cool artwork and other things like that. So um, thank you, Melly, for becoming a new patron. We certainly appreciate that. And again, we're trying a new platform. And one of the things I'm realizing is that when I... Uh, Try to play a video um, at uh, at one way. We're hearing an echo, and again, we'll 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 figure that part out. So since I can't, uh, since I'm not going to run it that way, we're going to now run the game on results, but we're going to run it um, in a way where we won't be able to talk over it, but at least it won't echo. So are you guys ready to hear how the game on went this week? It was a rhetorical question, but yeah, I, I do. Okay, the heads are nodding. I hear the nuts and bolts clanking in the coffee can there. So, okay, let's see how we did this week. Welcome everybody to the results of the Coco Talk Game On Challenge of the Week, where we played Crystal Castles. We had a total of twelve players. We had Mark B with six thousand six hundred thirty-seven. Mr. Dave 6309 with 14,855. Sabhead 17,934. Exile in Paradise 18,140. Pedro Pena 37,087. Tasman 51,976. Paul Shoemaker 53,215. Canadian Retro Things 103,858. Jim Rye, 164,964. Buck Owens, 506,711. Rich N, 513,576. 
And the number one score this week is... Brian Walsh with 521,182. Thanks everybody that played and we will see you next week. Woo! And then when that's done, it just fades right back to the scene, right? Oh, cool. And we're back. And see, you see how I made this little fancy thing here that says game on with a joystick and everything? All right. Isn't that pretty? Excellent. Isn't that pretty? It's real pretty. It's kind of like David Ladd pretty. <laughs> and it's Wayne's World. Pretty. Yeah, Wayne's weird. game on, man. Game on. You need to put a black beauty in the corner. Though. Yeah, I know. I don't have a I don't have a clear black background one. So that's my uh, fake <laughs> Wico controller right there. So um so Mr. Waters. And by the okay. way, uh Brian Walsh, congratulations. I don't know if we've seen Brian Walsh uh, in the first place before. Well, um yeah, there was a little trick in there that um you could do a warp. I'm not sure how they were getting such high scores on the warp because I could only figure out how to get an extra 70,000 points myself, but apparently that's also in the real game. So, um, yeah. So I'm not sure how they're getting up to 500,000, but. Okay. And so I know what, what exactly is the warp? Because I, I didn't play Crystal Castle in their case. Okay. So, so if I... you go on the first level, if you go into the tunnel and you jump, the, go into the corner of the tunnel, jump, and then you warp ahead like five screens and get a whole bunch of extra points okay does that work on later tunnels too is that how the other people did it? no just on the first screen as far as i could tell but um they must be doing it some other way too because maybe when you wrap around to the first screen and again you can do it again but i never actually wrapped around that far so okay yeah because i that's it after seeing that you talk about it uh a little bit I, I, it was not something I was aware of in the original arcade game, which I, like I said I didn't play that much. But uh, yeah, I just saw somebody mention that uh, it is there, just like in the real arcade game. So that must have been present. I didn't really play this in the arcade, so I don't know. Okay. But anyways, um, I do have actually a review and some other stuff. So let me just try sharing my screen here. Um, there we go. Okay, well, so we will start here with a review from uh, Color Computer Magazine in August of 1984. Uh, basically, the guy just says that it's a good game and then just goes into telling you how you play it and what what can be done. So it doesn't really talk about the game that much other than the actual technical aspects of it. But uh, yeah, apparently they liked it. A lot better than they like Dodgeball, which is the other <laughs> review on here. <laughs> and it uh, looks like Candy Company is on that same screen. Classic uh, name. Candy Company. Yeah. yeah, Candy Company. And then if I had scanned the next page, it would have King Tut and Mr. Dig. But yeah, so not much of an in-depth review, but a review nonetheless. There was one other review in Hot Cocoa from September of 84, but there's no copy of that in the archive. So I couldn't uh, see what it said. And I found one and one only score submitted in um, uh, for, that for this game. Yeah. So I don't remember all the numbers. Is that better or worse than what we had to, on our score? This uh, 531,000, I think, was our high score. So Okay, so it's in the ballpark. It's in the ballpark. They must have obviously used the warp. And, hey, Canadian. They're from okay. Ontario, so... So, oh, there we go. Um, 
yeah, so, and I looked through a lot of magazines, and this was the one and only score submitted for this game that I could find. Okay. That's cool. So is Uxbridge, Ontario significant somehow? I see two different people in adjacent rows won games there. Oh. Um, see? Uxbridge, Ontario. Okay, there's like, yeah. There's three Canadians out of four entries, and two of them are from Just Uxbridge. Second, I'll share that again. <laughs> I'm trying to remember where Xbridge is. Right. Let me make that. I'm hearing some weird hissing sound right now. Is it just me or is anybody else hearing that? Oh, I can hear it. Too. Although you can see the the two people from Uxbridge have the same last name. So oh, okay. I guess they're from the same house. The Bellinger house. Where am I seeing that? I'm missing this. Where are you seeing that at? Oh, it's just up right here. Um. Oh, it modern. says Lexington, MA. Okay, Ux, okay. So Cosmic Ontario, and then Ellen Ballinger. Okay, Susan Ballinger. Okay, Ballinger. same last name. For some other yeah. name. Yeah, same last name. Okay, Uxbridge, so, Ontario. I have no okay. idea where Uxbridge is either, but I also have no idea where Wingham is. So. It, it's northeast of Markham. I just looked it up. Okay. Okay, Frank from Retro Rewind says it's a small town, uh, Ontario. <laughs> Canadians have more okay. time for gaming due to snowstorms, which right. um, as long as Mr. the power Dave. doesn't give out. Yeah. <laughs> right. And um, whatever that hissing sound was just went away. And um, Jim Rye says that looks like that might have been an early version of sibling rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Uh, before there was Tim and AJ, there was the uh, those those people. Bellingham's. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, cool. And we okay. did do a uh, yep, we did we do did a, a um, live session this week, right? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, I believe you and Jim Rye were the people I saw on when uh, when uh, when I was watching. Yeah, I didn't get yeah. a chance to pop by and watch, so I have no idea what you guys did. <laughs> I've had a heavy workload this week, so it's just now one thing that we found that was interesting. Um, Mark B discovered it on VCC, but then I started having the same problem on my real hardware. Is that on the first screen you didn't always get the uh, tunnel, so he, he could Mark B couldn't do the warp because he was never getting the tunnel on the first screen. What do you mean by the tunnel? That doorway that goes through the one doorway. side to the other, like yeah. it wouldn't show up, or does it didn't work? It's just not there. It didn't show oh. up. So I don't hey. know if that's actually part of the game. Is it just random when it shows up on the first screen? Hey, uh, Ken Waters, I just got yes. it. When you shared your screen, did you check the share audio box? Um, I did not. Okay, I wasn't trying I, to share. No, no, because I'm just wondering, because it seems like when you're screen sharing, it's when I hear that hissing sound. So I just didn't know if if you were sharing audio too or, um, or not. Are you hearing uh, it now? Yeah, I hear it while you're screen sharing. It's okay. It's okay. That's fine. Here, just let um, me stop sharing. I will. You stop sharing. I'm still hearing it now. It's weird. It's like a high pitched hissing sound. I'm going to try muting a few people. I'm going to mute everybody right but now, you. So. Okay. I'm muting everybody but you for a moment. Okay. Okay. It might have been Curtis. I just muted Curtis. And I know you're not okay. doing anything, Curtis, but we're going through a browser now instead of going through an app. And it just that might just be part of why it's doing it. Uh, I will go ahead and unmute everybody. But I was just... Um, um, let's go back. Let me screen share again. Let me turn that on. I know, Curtis, go, go ahead and try and talk, Curtis. I, I did unmute you. I think... No, hold on. No, you're, you're muted. You're unmuted. 
Sorry, Curtis. I muted you. Okay. I. Oh, no. The hissing is gone. It's gone. Hmm. Okay. okay. I just turned my mic back on. Is it back? No. Nope. No. No. Okay. No. Okay. All right. So one okay, of the things so... you guys did mention last week, too, was if you played on a Coco 3 on real hardware, you would get that funky title screen, but it doesn't yeah. affect your ability to start. Here we can see it, right? Where it's... Yeah. <laughs> Now, yeah. one of the things that I did find on this game is I, I did load it up on VCC and I set the joystick to keyboard uh -huh. and it was so much easier to play than with a Black Beauty because the um, the control in this game is loose to say the least. Okay. You just, you fly around the screen with the Black Beauty. And I think Jim Rye was saying he was because he was using like VCC and I think he was using a uh, like an Xbox controller. And maybe that is one of those times where that slight spring loaded the Xbox controller is kind of like a deluxe joystick in that sense. It's analog, but it spring loads. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that would possibly be a decent compromise. Well, actually, just using the arrow keys work. Right, really because this well. game in the arcade was designed for the trackball. This was using a similar game engine to the Marble Madness, you yeah. know, kind of pseudo 3D isometric thing. And I believe the arcade version had a trackball where you rolled around. I really enjoyed this game, both in the arcade and on the Coco. Um, I did find... Yeah, like uh, the only other time I've ever played this game was on the Atari 2600. And I actually have to say I like this version a lot better. Having the loose controls is way better than the uh, Atari 2600 where you get stuck at every step. Okay, so Jim Rye um, says that uh, the uh, Xbox controller was terrible for this game. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I take that back then. I wasn't sure. Okay, so Jim Rye says that was not good. And then uh, Alan Murphy says this week's game on live was cool. There were a few players. I got my score in during the stream. And after the stream, Nick Marentes previewed some cool stuff. Damn it. I keep missing that. I was on earlier, but not later. Um, yeah, we're we're fe fe feature creeping Nick, so that. Uh, well, I think I think Nick ideas. just likes to do it when I'm not around. Is what it is, yeah. really. Not, <laughs> nothing personal. Nothing personal. Well, that, was, that, was, that was actually well, the It's like is Steve not here? Okay, great. Let's do something cool. <laughs> <laughs> so there you can see on um, this that uh, where oh no, it's not on level one. Never mind. You can see the the uh, semi graphics being rendered properly for Coco One and Two on the right right now though. Yeah. 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 Now, the colors in the left one is odd. Is that a manual palette switch? Or? It's probably yeah, on I composite. Just, I just decided to have a little fun and see if I could uh, really hurt people's eyes. Oh, oh! so you were treating this like your results videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> contrast? I don't need no stinking contrast. Um, yeah. Like they, Dave, uh, Mr. Dave says that the game wasn't a bad game. The controls were just a bit fast. And I totally agree with that which is why I actually I got the best scores that I got playing on VCC with the uh, keyboard as the controller. So now how, how fast did the original arcade game go? Was it comparable to Coco or slower? I have no idea. Like I said, I never I played this in the arcade. It's been years. It's been a spell. Yeah, for me, it's been never. I've never even seen mm. this game in the arcade. So, yeah, I remember it had like really cool music. It there was a neat little fantasy theme to this because you were kind of dealing with like trees and and like you know Winnie the Pooh bear and 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 stuff. And the music was kind of like uh, dun, 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 dun. so kind of um, you know it just had what's what's Adaptation that theme? Type. 
Yeah, Fantasia type stuff. Yeah, there was like so there just seemed to me to be some kind of Disney esque elements to the music and some of the characters in the game. I just thought the fantasy theme to this was really interesting and, and really just added a layer to the overall game design that was pretty unique too. It's kind of like a you know, somebody mentioned is this kind of like a hybrid of Pac-Man and Qbert? And I'd say that's not a that's a fair description, not quite that simplistic, but very similar. There's the 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 multi-layered maze if you will and the fact that you have to get the dots so there are definitely some some uh inspirations crystals, there not dots. yeah the crystals yeah sorry we're collecting crystals we're not even dots come on clearly they're crystals now one, one question for those that have seen the arcade game too or even other platforms versions of it uh, the one thing that always confused me when i played the coco version of this back in the day was when you went into the tunnels of course you didn't disappear or in some way it didn't really easily signify you were in the tunnel so you'd sometimes think you're at some part of the screen, but you're really not because you're inside the tunnel rather than on the front yeah, part. Yeah. Does the arcade play like that too? Like, is it that confusing? Or did the they arcade, do... the arcade you became um, kind of semi-translucent where yeah, you, you had like, you had like maybe a, an outline or a little bit like you had the clothes without the body or something, but it was kind of a, a scaled down sprite. It didn't have all the color layers to it. So you saw oh, okay. some of it, but not all of it. Yeah. There are a couple levels on here that have like hidden ramps, and uh, yeah, if you get you, you you're trying to figure out why you're like where you want to go somewhere, but you can't get there because you're actually behind everything on a ramp, and it's can get a little frustrating. Yeah, I remember getting confused about it at, at some point when I played it back in the day. So, the time screen is pretty cool. Oh, they're gonna highlight my game. I think I do the warp here. So what are, so you said there were 12 participants? Yes. So yeah, so, here's the warp. Okay. There. Oh, do you I have to warp. like jump while you're inside the box? Yeah. And then okay, I tried so it in all the other ones. Like a, but... Well, to pardon the pun, but that's kind of like an Easter egg. <laughs> that's yeah. on our Easter special, right? So <laughs> um, oh, that's cool. I don't remember if I knew that back in the day. But I didn't I, know I about it on the Cocoa version until now <laughs> yeah. i can't remember who said i think it was uh, a discussion between buck owens and um somebody else on the uh discord that they mentioned that it was ah, just so like professional the, arcade game players got yeah, ah. just like just like the uh, arcade game see here i'm trying to trying it in all the different places to see you're, if... look, you're looking for warp spots i am i yeah. i never could find another one so yeah and when you warp, does it give you points for warping, or does it just take you to yeah. a higher screen where you get more points? Uh, you get where I was warping, you got seventy thousand points. Holy so. crap! Okay. Yeah. So in the uh, Coco version, you are you're not like half translucent. You are fully cool. there, just in front of the wall to indicate that you're behind the wall, sort of. So yeah. So there's okay. no real change between when you're behind the wall and. Right. When you think about this kind of programmatically, it's like, how do you account for all the various locations and all the various levels? I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to unravel that in my mind. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with it, you know? So I guess everything's in an array somewhere, right? There's a table. Yeah, probably an array of a uh, checkerboard of heights, I would guess. Yeah, yeah. Because it kind of builds a, the game board the same as Springster does, you know, back to front. Yeah. With yeah. heights of the tiles getting drawn, so I think that's probably right. Yeah, and Springster kind of has some Cubert elements to it as well. Yeah, 
Okay, so here we have Buck Owens just chimed in. He says, I got 499K where I warped do only really scored 16K by fair means. Okay, so when he warped, he got a good score of 490K. 490K. So where, where did you uh, warp, Steve? Okay, yeah, and so that's what B. Rye says, too. He says there's a 490K warped, so... We're not sure where those where those warps. Yeah. So are. how does one determine that one versus the seventy thousand? Yeah. How do you know when go? when and where to warp to get the most points? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Migo says that Buck works all the angles. <laughs> oh well, hey, I'm happy. Works I'm all happy the angles. That I got the, found the seventy thousand right? warp. So other than warping, do we have tips and tricks for general gameplay and how to avoid bad guys and score points and obviously uh, don't die? There's certain ones that you can hit and kill, but... Um, yeah, the hiss is coming work. back again. Let me try muting you for one second, Ken, to see if you're the culprit. It's not Ken. It's Curtis, and I don't know why. It's probably... Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing anything except sitting I, here in I front know, of my mic. I know, I know Curtis. <laughs> I'm not saying it's your fault. It's just it's coming from you, and... That that's that's the fun of trying something new live, right? It's all my fault ultimately, right? So <laughs> I'm the a-hole who's flipped the script on us. Um, <laughs> he says level eight, I think, is what Steve Rasmussen says. It, it warps um, you to level eight. Oh, it warps you to level eight. Okay. And the one that I was doing. Just oh, and so Alan Murphy says that the gem eaters can be killed while they're eating. Those are those things that kind of suck the gem up through their big throat bodies. Yeah. As long as um, they have a gem in their throat, I guess you can kill and then them. Then you can um, you can get them. Um, right here. And then uh, B. Rye says it was the back corner of the tunnel and jump. The back corner, left, right, upper left, upper right, lower left, lower right. Um, well, anyway. All right. It's 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 in there, so it's part of the game. So. Very cool. What was yeah. Alan saying? You said this Bentley Bear is also a park parkour, parkour master that can jump across the entire board. Use it. I don't even understand what that means. Yeah, your guy, your guy can jump a really long way. So. Oh, okay. And how many different yeah. boards is there? Does that, does it wrap around at some point, or or did you guys get far enough to find that? Uh, out? I never got far enough to wrap it, so <laughs> I don't know. Even with the warp, okay. So there must be quite a few levels then. Well, I only I only warped to level five, and apparently, um, Buck Owens was saying he warped to level eight. So, so there's got to be another spot to warp to level eight. Okay. All right, uh, well, subtleties we'll in this game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No more tips and tricks. Um. Yeah. Don't don't die. Um, don't die. You can jump over uh, creatures. I remember that. Jump over stuff. You can uh, really jump when you far. Can. Yeah, you can really jump far in this game. So. <laughs> Mark. Okay. Yeah. We have. So we have uh, Scott Cooper saying, "Mark, we hope you get feel. We hope you feel better soon." Yeah. I just realized because the way the panel looks to me now is different too. So I can't even see everybody who's on the panel. Damn it! Who was the idiot who decided to switch all this? Um, oh. Oh yeah, that was me. Uh, <laughs> Mark, I'm sorry I didn't see you leave the uh, uh, panel. Yeah. I hope you are feeling better, Mark Overholzer. Mark Overholzer is our Johnny on the spot with the chat and all kinds of other stuff like that. So feel well, Mark O. Yeah, 8 Bits um, in the Basement said that, too, because I guess he had it before, too. So, uh, 
my understanding of it. Um, now next week, next week, our guest, who I am truly sorry that I will be missing, but um, uh, Terry Steen is going to be here. So are we going to be playing a Terry Steen game for next week? So when we have him on, he can talk about that. Well, um, let me just show you what our next week game is. And it is, ooh, is this Mrs. Pack? That is what it is. Mrs. Pack, which is a Pac-Man clone by Terry Steen that I'm not sure. I wasn't familiar with it back in the day because I didn't have access to T&D um, software. Um, so, there we go. Um, written by Terry Steen. Written by Terry Steen, licensed to T&D software. And we have the Amigos Retro Gaming seal of approval. They say good choice. Okay. <laughs> so I thank you. Um, and um, yeah, this is um, from what I Curtis, if you want to just remind us, I remember you saying this had some unique features like more fruits and animated fruits and more levels and animations. Yeah, and it, like not every Mrs. Pac-Man on the clone on the Coco actually had the fruit bouncing. Some of them just put the fruit just like regular Pac-Man, like Mrs. Maze from Tom Mix's example of that. And also he's got more mazes in this one than the actual arcade game had. The arcade game had four. I believe this one has eight. So there's a lot more bang for your buck there. Which was really cheap because of TND, of course, you paid like a yearly subscription of 70 bucks and you got 12 tapes with, you know, a game or two every single issue. So you got quite a bit for your money out of it. Very cool. Very cool. So that's the game of the week. Is that available on your site to download? It's available on the archive. It's uh, it's listed on my site. I don't have it up for download. I'm okay. kind of not okay. doing downloads locally that much anymore unless right. it's something special. Or you could just link to the archive, um, but whatever. I have started doing that, to be honest, yeah. on newer entries. I just haven't gone back and done right, it. Right, 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 right. Uh, so it is on the archive, and it is uh, free to distribute by permission of the author, so Terry Steen, author of Balloon the, Fire. It's the MRS pack, not the MS pack. MRS. So this is the married. This is Mrs. Pack, not Miss <laughs> yeah. Pack. This is Mrs. Pack this, proper. This pack is not living in sin. That's oh, your audio just went weird on us again, Curtis. I know it's not your fault. It's just doing something through the browser. Well, maybe it's because you're running a Mac. We'll blame it on that, right? So, um, um, so maybe another... turn off, turn off the auto gain in oh, the there, program. There, there is an auto gain feature under your audio settings. Uh, if you click on Advanced Options, there's an auto gain and turn off. If you go to okay, I just did that. Let's see if that makes a difference. And now you still sound hollow. You've got two mics now. It sounds like. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, maybe it's switched to your um, iMac mic versus your Yeti mic. Because, yeah, now you sound kind of like you're in a box. I'm the man in the box. How about now? Oh, there you go. Now you sound good. Normal. You sound like a, a very high-quality Canadian at this point. You sounded like <laughs> a cheap tin can Canadian a few minutes that, that ago. That distortion so. pedal's working good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. I will mention issues. one other thing about Terry Steen before we get on to the, the Game On news stuff, which isn't very much, so we'll tack it on. But uh, Terry published, I think, seven games total, published through TND and Chroma Set, and some were sold through Jarb Software. And when Jarb Software stopped, they resold the rights to TND, so they got republished a couple years later. But he also has sent me discs recently, and I haven't had a chance to go through them all yet, of a bunch of unfinished games. And he's got some that were like barely started. He's got some that were quite far along. He's even got his first Coco three attempts, and he was, you know, he was busy with the, I think, the uh, Air Force or something at the time. So he was 
you know, going all over the place. So you didn't have time to really get back to things. But uh, we're going to try to show off some of that stuff, too. So there'll be some sneak previews or post views. I don't know what you want to call them of stuff that was never released and never quite finished. And maybe if, if some of them look really good to the panel, maybe we can encourage him to uh, see about finishing them. I believe Terry Steen needs creep. lots of encouragement. We could feature <laughs> Creep's uh, stuff. He feature Creep, but yeah. Just, we can threaten him with couches. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can you put a real-time clock and a sound chip in your next project, right? So, <laughs> Cool stuff, cool stuff. Uh, all right, so do we have game on news, Mr. Boyle? Yeah, I'm a bit nervous that this is even going to work, but we'll get a shot. <laughs> hey, if it worked for me, it'll work for anybody. Uh, yeah, but I've got like multiple tabs, and I'm not sure how I've got my I have to reshare every tab individually every time, or is it going to be able to share a window and properly share the sound? And looks like window uh, you yes, can't share sound, out. so that's not going to work. Chrome tab is a single tab at a time, and then I can share sound. So I'm gonna have to switch it every single. Can you you can you audio. share the whole screen, or because you only have one screen, you can't do that? Uh, if I resize all the windows, maybe. Won't you come and save me? Now, for you for, that are familiar with this uh, restream thing here, does it? If I share the screen, is it going to show itself, or does it kind of take itself out of the? Well, if if itself is on the screen, whatever's it's going to you're going to see whatever's on the screen would be my guess. I think the screen share works very similar to Zoom. Okay, so let me move that off the screen. I got two monitors, so hopefully that'll work. Yeah, that's what I was doing. I just set everything up on the second monitor, and it worked better. Okay. Except the entire screen's not letting me share audio either. It looks like only a Chrome tab will let me do it. Hmm. Is audio critical to what you're sharing? On some... Well, actually, I can just do, like, the... Uh, Cole's notes version just not play any of it normally i have a few video things i'd like yeah. to play yeah um there's one or two i probably will still want to so maybe i'll stop sharing and switch over to it we'll see how that goes okay Let me, i'll just resize this then because that's not going to give me the audio there's no point in me doing that All right. I see a window. I see a window of Curtis News. Okay. So this is a person, Joshua Yeager. I'm hoping I pronounced his last name right. Uh, apologies if I'm not. Uh, he has a YouTube channel called Game Huggers. And I guess he was playing some other game stream stuff where he was doing non-Coco. And then he got frustrated with that game. And he decided to uh, switch to doing some Coco stuff. So he played a little bit of The King. And space assault at the end, but he did the main part of his playing downland. Um, and he kind of apologized in the comments, kind of saying he was already getting tired and frustrated from the previous game. So he's he was kind of like me at the beginning of this call, he was kind of like curt and short, you know, type thing. But uh, it was kind of interesting because uh, it sounded like the, he doesn't normally stream this kind of thing. Um, so he actually posted in the Facebook Coco group as well. So I'm hoping he does some more Coco streams at some point here because it uh, looks like he's a pretty good setup i don't know if he normally does this on twitch i think he does um so i don't know does anybody else here follow game huggers or has heard of him before not heard of him no 
So obviously he's running an emulator, but uh, yeah, it's, it looks like he's done some interesting stuff. And if he's going to do some more Coco Retro stuff, I definitely would like to see it. Definitely. Okay, I'm going to close that tab and just see, will it automatically switch to the next one? Hey, it did. Nightmare okay, Highway. Helps. This one, I was going to play the audio. <laughs> Actually, let me see. Can I I'll maybe maximize the screen here? And... Uh, just a, uh, um, a, that it's just a guy with an Irish accent talking about Nightmare Highway. There you I go. wanted to give his little intro thing there. Because <laughs> this is a new sub-channel for his. This is not his regular. Yeah. Eight That's 8-Bits in, in the basement, by the way. Is it running go for tab list here? Not he sure. has started a gaming channel to uh, show off some of the games on his computer collection. So yeah, actually, I saw that you you were you were in the comments on this one, and he's done a previous episode on a different system, a Thompson ML5 or something. Yeah. So are you familiar with the channel from before? Like this is the first I ever even heard of it. I well, just he just started this channel, like uh I think this is his second episode, second game. Okay. All right, so I have it up. Do you, you think? How you, you doing, everybody? Greetings and welcome to episode two of Eight Bits Basement Gaming Base. Where... So, is the audio coming through? Yes, yeah, coming through. Yes. Okay, good. And what's the audio level like? Because I, I don't. It's have fine. A it's fine. Okay. I hear fine. Yeah. Today, I've got my color computer two in front of me because I'm working on a project on this guy, and I figured as I'd ha as I had it out, I'd show you uh, this particular game here for the old Coco Two. It's called Nightmare Highway. Now it was written by Ken Riker, Nightmare and it Highway. was inspired by an event that happened back in 2019. So Terry Steen was on his way to the Coco Fest somewhere in the U.S., and as he was driving down the highway, what appeared in front of him was a couch that somebody had left just littered in the middle of the road, and he hit it. And I don't know what exactly happened, but he was late to the Coco Fest, and it was all the rage. So I want to play that clip since Terry's our guest next week. And of course, we invite 8 Bits in the Basement to join us in that show to interview Terry because I think it would be pretty cool to get some. All right. And 8, in, in 8 Bits in the Basement has some very non biased opinion here. He goes, Man, he is good looking. Oh, that, that's, that's, that's really nice. I'll tell Terry you said that. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, if you eight bits in the basement, if you want to come on next week and actually help with the interview, you can get all the answers to the specific details of what happened. Because Terry, of course, will be our guest, and Terry's done you know multiple games himself too. So, um, but yeah, he does a pretty good review. He's using the, uh, the 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 freeware version of it now. I I try to remember what are the main differences with the the was it itch.io where Ken sells the. Well, the, you get the power of Terry. The newer version, which is Coco Fest edition. Um, was he added a power up, or if you if you grab the letters uh, that spell out the word Terry on the road as you're driving, and you get you spell out Terry, then it clears all the cars. So you just have like a little reprieve of just trying to get points and not jump in fourth gear and go. Yeah, so I think that's the main difference. Okay, because it sounded like he hadn't seen that version, and I don't remember what the difference was because it's been a while since I've looked at them. Um... So I just wanted it so that he would know what, what the difference was between the paid version and the, uh, the freeware version. The power of Terry. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> whatever, that's the whatever that is, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so hopefully, Terry, uh, if you're listening, uh, hopefully you don't hit anything on the way to the fest this time, hopefully if you can make the fest. But uh, it would it'd be pretty nice. I know his wife was kind of encouraging him to when we 
talked to him on the preview, so maybe. <laughs> and uh, Alan Murphy wants to know, does he have something in that cartridge port going on there? Oh, that's his homemade uh, cartridge, I think. Yeah, I think right. it's his homemade SDC style thing, isn't it? Oh, is okay. It different, I'm not even sure. And of course, we we cannot forget the theme song tonight to Nightmare Highway. Matter of fact, let me see if I can bring that up right now. It's probably going to create some echo. Well, here, I'll stop pretty... my sharing so that I, I'm not overriding it. Oh, we can all. That's a that's his HDB DOS card. Ah, okay. HDB DOS. So yeah, this is the song that was inspired. Are we hearing echo on this? I'm not here. Not yet. Everyone starts singing. Got some time to kill. Might nope. play a little. Zaxxon. Interesting. Might double back to play a and little. And he says he was playing over Drivewire. Dungeons uh, of Daggereth. Color baseball. But none can hold a candle to the greatest of them all. Nightmare Highway. All right, so there you go. A little bit of the Nightmare Highway theme song. We're coming at you at number 10 on the Coco Hits Countdown. I'm your host, Casey Kaysen, and now long-distance dedication. <laughs> cool job. We need more Coco content. The world needs more Coco. I got a fever, and the only cure is more Coco. So, uh, cool. He says they loaded in with dry wire. All right, cool. Yeah, that is cool. Okay, are you guys getting this share? Hold on. I got to turn it on. It is on. James Earl O'Brien and Tanya O'Brien. Okay. Yeah, so they, they have a really cute cat that wanders through. And actually, this cat has been trained to ding a bell to get treats, which was kind of cool to watch oh, wow. in the background. We should do that for David Ladd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll, well, he'll ding a bell, and I'll give him a Kit Kat. There you uh, go. Here's a Kit Kat. Now get out of here, kid. Go away. You bother me. <laughs> Now, Ken, I saw you were in the chat on this. Yes, I was. So, are you, you familiar with this channel? Uh, no, I just came. Kind of, you you uh, pushed me in their direction, told me that this was happening. So, I thought I'd pop in and give my two cents on the games that they were playing. Okay. Since I tried a bunch of them out too. On, oh, actually, on... that, I thought that'd be a good comparison because they only played the Atari 8 bit, and even some people in the chat were saying, I wonder what the Apple II version looks like, and you know, this kind of stuff. So if you want to, maybe I'll let you actually handle this one because I didn't get a chance to watch this live and I haven't had a chance to watch the whole thing. I do know they went through all of the Japanese Infuto or Infuto. Yeah, they uh, had cross-platform games. Oh, is that the, the ones you? That's the ones you showed us that you've been showing us on the news, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So they were just showing them off uh, on the Atari system. So okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they look good. Uh, they just tried out all 10. They really seemed to enjoy them. There was a couple that they thought were a little too easy, but. Yeah. Yeah, there's definite advantages to using OBS and being able to switch scenes and move things up. I, I won't uh, I won't deny that. Um, well, this, this seems to be going along pretty smoothly, though. So as a backup. You got some time to kill. Think I'll play a little. That song. It made it probably the longest. Oh, yeah. That, one, that, that looks nice with a little bit more color to it than just, you know, yeah. the green background. I remember you showing us this, this one recently, Curtis, with you got to push the things up to block the ghosty dudes. It, de it definitely outdoes the MC10 version. <laughs> Just by a smidge. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is, too, is that we there is an MC10 version. So, I mean, that's... Yeah. Oh, this is kind of cool. This is... Uh, oh, me. oh, you can shoot through the brick walls. Yeah. If, if they're brick, you can't shoot the, through the shoot through the solid white walls like say on this level. Okay, but the bricks you can. The bricks are yeah. semi slow, uh, kind of like in the Arkanoid. We have to hit them a few times to break them. 
Yeah, and the robots or that. whoever your opponent is can do that too. So. Is this like pesky robots or completely different? Different, quite different. Okay. Uh, there's no scrolling. This, in this the game. funny thing oh. on this game was that they uh, came across a screen that was uh, completely blank, and the guy was saying, "Oh, geez, there's absolutely nothing. There's no, uh, no, um, yeah, this screen there, this screen here." He said, "Oh, this screen will be simple," and they probably spent 15 minutes trying to pass it. <laughs> oh, because this got, uh, things just keep oh, popping up. Are they hidden? Yeah, here they, I, I fast forwarded to where they actually won it, but they'd spent quite a bit of time and they would walk over and yeah. the robots would just shoot them. And then uh, the robots would pin them in the lower left them, and just nail them until they died. Okay, so the solid white ones you can't do anything with, but the brick ones you can. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's almost like you have to clear a path. That's an interesting yeah, you, game. Mechanic. You can make shortcuts, and basically, you're trying to beat the opponent to destroy the castle or whatever the main yeah. thing that your opponent says. This kind of reminds me of. I don't hear the sound, but it it's reminds me of Berserk. I, like, I want them to say, "Stop the humanoid! Stop that, the!" Like I said, they're like they blind. I mean, you won't hear the, much know? of it here because they're talking. They, they, they're things. just stumbling about, don't know where they're going. Kind of know generally they they want to get away, but that's about it. Bye bye. Yeah. Yeah. Then you got a nice tube. To when shoot. there's a long tube, easy, easy. <laughs> cool. Very cool. And yeah, definitely a cute cat that they have. It's. I can see why they're talking about This one you can tell what this is going up, eh? Um, oh, oh, this looks like Binary the. Uh, software. This what was that game? The, the Those darn marbles or the. Uh, uh, what's it called? Are you thinking bouncing boulders or something? Bouncing boulders. Is the, oh, no, oh Pengon. Pengo. Yeah. Pengo. Yes, yes. Okay. It does have a bit of differences, though. I think there's only Pango Tango. They... And they can, the monsters can throw bricks at you in this one. Yeah, so. that was. Nah. Oh, they can push too. Oh, those little. But evil. the funny thing is, you can run into them and you won't die. You have to get crushed. Like you can touch them and you don't die. And oh, don't die. oh, okay. So collision with the ghost is not a bad thing, but getting crushed between the uh, blocks. Yeah, is. so it's it's Pango, but with a bit of a different mechanic, which actually yeah. makes it an interesting change. Yeah. Very cool. And then the next one. I think I'll play a little Zach sound. Oh, this has got a little Dig Dug feel to it, huh? Yeah. Kind of, except the cat. It's a bit of Mr. Do Dig Dug combined. Mr. Do Dig yeah. Dug. Okay. Now, do the, those things fall? Is there gravity on those things? Yeah. Yes. And okay. the rocks also don't get destroyed when they fall. Ooh, I like that. So you can block yourself off from where you need to go. None of them can hold a candle to the greatest game of all, Nightmare Highway. This has got a little Xevious feel to it. Yep. Nightmare Highway. With some big bosses and stuff, too. Um, there's none, yeah, like, they, there's a... Very chill and uh, a little bit boring. Yeah, this is the one they thought was way too slow. I did catch okay. a little bit of this one. Yeah, the clip on it's a little herky-jerky, but that's interesting. At least it gives you time to move around and take care of crap on the screen before more crap comes up, I guess, right? So. And as I even point out, the, the music in this in that game was way more chill than any other game that they played. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, somebody's asking, does the screen share use up a guest slot? I don't know. I don't know if it... If, I know it shows up on the side like a guest, but I don't know if that counts as a guest slot or not, honestly. Now, this one, I, I think, is based on an arcade game, too, isn't it, Ken? Uh, yeah, it's a lot like Mappy. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, little elevators on the side. You two got elevators rather than... And you have to what, get all the flags or what? Yeah, or, and okay. the same thing that uh, if you get the two in, that are similar in a row, then None you get... Hold a candle to yeah. And then some later levels actually have more than just two elevators, too. Yeah. Do you, do you take falling damage if you drop down too far? No, you can drop down as far as you want. All right. 
but yeah, the only difference between this and, and as you can see, they actually, after playing it for a while, they're talking about how similar it is to Mappy, and then they realized, oh, the top of the screen is exactly the, wait, because it looks like a house. Yeah, the house top of Mappy. Here's one with a bunch of elevators, including some that only go up some of the platforms too. I haven't played Mappy, so yeah. I don't really know Mappy too well. Ah, it's one of my favorites. So, <laughs> I'll give you one sneak oh. peek. One of the games Terry Steen was working on was Mappy Clone. Oh. I'll have to go through and I want to hmm. see that. That one he's <laughs> got to finish. The Coco needs a mappy. Yeah, I don't think we have one as far as I know. I don't think Dragon did either. The greatest game of all. Nightmare Highway. That song just gets stuck in your head. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. <laughs> it's stuck in my head. It won't go away. <laughs> and here's Maisie. I think this was one of the first ones we saw that actually had the full scrolling in all four directions. Yeah. This was the first one I tried of these. So, hey, but Greg the, like when we watched this. the demo, we didn't really know what was going on when we watched the Coco and MC10 versions. But on this one, they kind of explain you have these knives you pick up. Now, the knives don't get destroyed when you shoot them at a monster, it gets dropped nope. back on the floor so you pick them back up again. And then you got certain monsters that move in certain ways, and you have to try to you know get to the door type thing. You don't have to kill them all, I don't believe, but uh. Oh, this one, I did they like this one? I'm presuming. Uh, yeah, or I think is this they one did. of the slow ones. I can't remember. If I remember correctly, they like this one. Obviously, I was like get more complicated. It looks cool. This, this one scrolls pretty smooth too. But again, this is on an Atari, so it's not like it's a Coco having to bit shift the entire screen. Um, but yeah, it looks cool. I like it. Okay, next up is Niras. Niras. And so if anybody watching this right now, just realize everything they're showing here, we can play on the Coco or the MC10, just minus yep. some of the colors. Or if you're an Apple guy, you can play it on the Apple. Or... Oh, God, who would want to do that? There's 37 <laughs> platforms or something like that it, it covers. To the greatest hey, the Apple game is good for things, not just for uh, Oregon Trail. Right? You can play other games on the Apple. That's like the the, yeah, the Apple is known as the Oregon Trail uh, machine and like the uh, the... Uh, yeah, we're the Dagraph one. Or orchestra 90s known as the William Tell Orchestra uh, cartridge. <laughs> Isn't that that Orchestra 90 cartridge? Yeah, well, it does more than that. <laughs> Isn't that? This, this was an interesting one. I don't know if this is based in arcade game. If it is, it's never one I've ever seen. But basically, you have these cards, playing cards almost. And you have to shoot. You have to pick one up and then shoot its pair. But you don't see what they are until you shoot. Oh, is it kind of like a memory matching Kind of like memory. And, yeah. Like there but you, in you a pick maze. up the A, you try to shoot a Q. There you shot a K, oh, so it doesn't matter. Oh, interesting. So you have oh, to that... like flip the card, see where it is, memorize where that particular one is, then yeah. find the corresponding so card, pick it up and throw it. It's but a you memory can like squish game. monsters between to hold them off so they don't move, but it doesn't kill them. Oh, that's really neat. So it's an interesting game mechanic. And it's, I, I don't know of an arcade game like this. No, I don't have... I can't claim to play every arcade game. But. Oh, and, and we do, we do, we just realized from Mark Overholzer, our our Apple expert. Oh, it's the wrong thing. Hey, evening to you, Sixy. But Mark Overholzer reminds us that the Apple II can also play Load Runner and Choplifter and Castle Wolfenstein. So it's not just a one-trick pony. It's not just and a uh, <laughs> kind of like kind of like uh, OS nine was an operating system built around Basic 09. You know, the Apple II was a piece of hardware built around Oregon Trail, right? So <laughs> I thought it was built on Lemonade Stand. That's what oh, I. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be honest, I did play the heck out of Lemonade Stand in school when we had the Apple II. So. And listen, if it wasn't for the Apple II, we wouldn't have uh, Sierra online because didn't Ken and Roberta Williams do some of their stuff on that thing first? Yep. And and right. we wouldn't have Ultima, the Ultima series. Or Wizardry. 
Yeah. Right. Or Those Wolfenstein Doom, because that was all based on the original Wolfenstein for the Apple. All right. True that. Quake. All that stuff's based on. Anyway, this was an interesting game concept here. It's, it's a kind of arcade, a bit of strategy, a bit of memorization, yeah. all combined in one. It was pretty cool. I've played you know, some of these, uh, you know, match the, you know, flip the two tiles and try to remember where the hell they are type thing games. And that does get boring after a while, unless you're really into that kind of thing. This makes it much more palpable for me to want to play. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Ruptus. Please do not interrupt us. Oh, this is like, uh, whatchamacallit, the Bosconian, Draconian yep. type thing. Okay, cool. This is a clone of a really good Coco game. <laughs> well, except they're missing all the extra elements the Coco yeah. added. So. <laughs> well, we can forgive that for the fact that you can play this on whatever 34 different computers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that these are all cross-platform, that's why they're all tile-based, not, you know, using all the details of each computer to their fullest extent because it's right, meant to be cross-platform. Right. So but it still looks good. It still yeah. takes advantage of the platform in a way that is unique to that system. Like, we wouldn't have these colors on the Coco, um, at least not on uh, Yeah, we probably have like a blue not background. Not on the Coco 1-2, but... Um, yeah, they don't They don't have a Coco 3-specific engine for this. There's just Coco 1-2-3 as one generic and right. MC 10 which is a bit lower res, of course, because they don't... But just think, it. if they knew about that and they could do, you know, hardware scrolling and maybe some 6309 optimizations, oh, poof. Yeah, that was the last one. So that was interesting because I mean, th these go much more to the detail of how to actually play these games. The demos sometimes were enough to, like the little one minute clips they did on the actual Inafutu site, right? Um, were enough to see what the game looks like and yeah. what it sounds like. But you, sometimes you would be watching going, I don't really understand what the player is trying to do. And this actually goes into the details. Right, right. Because there's no yeah. instructions for any of these, really. There's right. like sometimes a one-line clip. Apparently on the guy's uh, Facebook page, there's some instructions for some of the games. Yeah, well, they were reading them out on the couple that I actually did get a chance to watch, and it's like one-line yeah. descriptions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not um, really in-depth, but they're also translated uh, instructions. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Google Translate to, to figure out what they were, because it's all in Japanese, of course. And that's all I got. For... That's all we got for Game On News. Okay. That's cool. Thank you, Al Curtis Boyle, for that. And we've had a few comments in the live chat. So Sixy came by recently saying good evening. Hello to you. Mark Overholzer is just reminding us about how prominent and influential the Apple II has been throughout history and how basically nothing that exists today would have been able to exist without the Apple II. So we definitely need to... Uh, Make sure we give it its proper uh, disregard. Um, <laughs> See, I'd go back to the Altair or something to say that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Scott Cooper says there was a basic game called Iowa Lemonade in the Rainbow. Yep, uh, I remember like, that one. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. So that was news. So we will now, um, well, that was game on news. Yeah. So we're going to take a brief commercial break. We're going to take, um, listen, this is in my union contract, and it's definitely in for Rondel Vo too. Rondel Vo um, has mandatory potty breaks, and if we don't get them in, um, the foreman and the um, the union uh, supervisor is going to come talk to us. The Teamsters are going to hit us up. So we're going to take a commercial break, and we'll be back after these words with Newsy Newsy, starring L. Curtis Boyle. So here we go, commercial break, and we'll be back, boys and girls. 
Good morning, Coco Land. This is Brian Schubring with Music Man here at the Coco Fest. Having fun, fixing issues, and making things roll, and making lots of sound. Have a great day, guys. The music is back. As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Coco Discord server and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy to remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord. The Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. At GSoft... We make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on and drop by our website and download our latest games. Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leaf here, and you're listening to Coco Talk. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Cardinal. Muppet News Flash. All right, and we're here, and it is Michael Furman's favorite part of the show, the snoozy newsy. With our foreign correspondent and news anchor, L. Curtis Boyle. Are you sharing something, Curtis? Because I think I just heard a little beep on here. Yep, let me just start sharing. <clears throat> sharing is caring. Okay, here we go. Virtual meeting updates. Yeah, Grant, Grant was supposed to talk about this. I don't know. Is he on the call right now? Or uh, Let me scroll down and see. You know, if we were using Zoom, I wouldn't have to do this. Um, <laughs> no, I don't see him here now, but he was here before. Someone is joining as Mark B, possibly. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that's the weird thing. You got okay. Uh, the one on the bottom that says Mark B might be Grant. Grant, if you're there, let me unmute you. Speak now or forever. Hold your pieces. Grant, do you copy? 
Sounds yeah. Like no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mark B is on as Mark B and I see Mark B, but there's somebody else that says Mark B down there that has got a black screen that I can't hear. All right. Okay. I'm going to remove that guest because I don't know who that guest is. Okay. Grant, if you're out there and you're listening um, and you can rejoin, please rejoin. Okay. So what do we got here? Uh, okay, well, so they're switching, they're switching to Zoom, it looks like, instead of using blue jeans. Yeah. Um, basically, Jim Brain announced this here, too, because they've been using the blue jeans for their video conferencing for the Glenside Computer Club for uh, a fair bit of time, a couple of years now, I think, which is a paid service, too, just like Zoom. So they decided to switch to Zoom starting the April 2022 business meeting. Uh, okay. So we'll be sending out new links for that. Nice. Which uh, I, I, I honestly I I never have been that impressed with blue jeans myself, so I think that's a good good plan. No, we um we we tried it when we were trying to look for Skype alternatives. We tried a bunch of different things, and it didn't seem to be very feature rich, and it also seemed to be a big bandwidth hog and the whole nine yards. So yeah, um, and the quality I don't think was quite as good when you got a lot of people on it. Yeah, so I mean Skype better. was working, except Skype was going downhill as far as quality, like it was getting worse every time. And a lot of the big podcasters that were you know doing guests and stuff were complaining about Skype at the time. So I think we made the right choice. Plus, I mean, Zoom really took off with the pandemic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, I mean, we're so used to Zoom now, too. Like, there's so many things that we know how to do just by switching windows and spotlighting and multi-spotlight, you know. So Zoom has really come a long way. Yeah. So the nice thing here, they've got the how to join the Zoom meeting for the Glenside Computer Club stuff when when the next test, the test was, which has actually already passed. Um, but mm -hmm. you can also have the option to dial in from a landline. So if you can't make it onto a computer or whatever, you can actually still join the call just like Blue Jeans did as well. So um, so that's one update from the Glenside. There's another one coming up, which is the one that Grant really want to talk about. So Grant, if you're out there listening, see if you can join in so you can kind of cover that one since you more de details about it than I do. Okay, next up, uh, Sheldon McDonald has uploaded a new version of a Sega Genesis Diagnostics disc, and this is one that uses the uh, uh, Zipster Zone PSG cartridge, which is a combination of joystick controller adapters as well as a sound card all in one. And in this case here, he's actually written a test program to go through a variety of different Sega actual controllers. So it'll run with Sega Master System joysticks. It'll be Atari joysticks, Sega Genesis three-button joysticks, six-button joysticks, and actually has the capability of actually dealing with all those buttons. And obviously, you won't be able to just run a basic program and you know do a print peak 65280 if you're used to that for doing the buttons type thing. Uh, but it doesn't sound like it's too hard to actually do. And he actually made a little bit of a video of it here. Uh, how long is this here? Uh, 10 I'm not going to play the whole 10 minutes. Um, I won't have the audio here at this point, I don't think. Tell me if you hear audio. Hit play. I, I, I did. Didn't hear anything? No. No. Okay. Yeah. So I got to do this tab by tab. That, that sucks. Sorry. Um, um, well, I'll just, um, I'll just explain it. Never mind. Uh, so yeah, to, be on, to be honest, this was all uh, Vladimir Putin's fault. I, I'm, I'm sorry. So. <laughs> Good. Can we bomb it too? Um, <laughs> so anyway, he's he's got it. So he's actually trying to detect uh, detects that the PSG's present, so it knows that you can legitimately try for these joysticks. And then, of course, he's got listed all the different directions: D-pad, up, down, left, right. And he's got the various buttons. And basically, when you click them, his little test program will register that it's been clicked. Um, right now, he he tries to register whether it's an Atari compatible joystick or if it's a higher end, uh, like a Genesis style joy, uh, controller. 
And on the lower end ones, like the master system and the Atari, you, you can't tell any details really just from talking to it. Um, where on the higher ones, you can actually determine that that type of a controller is plugged in. So he goes through a couple of mirror that he's actually got handy. Oh, Greg has showed up. Okay, we'll save him. Yeah, well, so there he's got the mini MPI. He's got his full SDC, and there's the PSG. Greg, we can hear you and see you. Okay, no, I'm just looking at how I have your name on my deal somehow. Yeah, because you're not you're not signing in as yourself. You're signing in to restream generically through the invite link or something. Yeah, that's just a weird thing. Again, this, we're doing it live and things to figure out. It seems like when somebody goes to the normal invite link, it picks up the name of the last person to join or something like that. Well, it's nice we to be you, Stevie. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Click and, you know, your, find, find your picture on the left side, the three dots, and edit name, and you can be you. Yeah. Here, I'll just put Greg. I'll just put Greg in there for you. So. Oh, thanks, <laughs> Greg Leakey. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> so yeah, this is a neat thing, right? So, um, so the PSG is a cartridge that is a sound card and it has two of the Atari-style joystick connectors. And he's basically got a demo program on here that will let you recognize all the inputs and all the buttons, up to six buttons, uh, if you have a six-button Sega-style controller. Yeah. Um, so in this so case here, he's nice. got a newer clone of an Atari 2600 VCS joystick, and it's got two buttons on, which kind of surprised me. And then he's clicking them, and it's doing the exact same reaction. It's only clicking one button, no matter whether he does left or right. So it's not actually a two-button joystick. It's a left or right-handed joystick. And you can click you know, left or right, and it does the exact same thing. Um, and then he does another one here. So here's using the Sega Master System. Nice. Two-button. That is like a Nintendo-style um one is your but your a and b right your buttons yeah. a and b you now here you see the or... start button and the one is the same on some of oh, the so you have same to do like ones a long are different press on it or something well it actually registers as both when you click it but on some of the later ones it's actually different buttons so they've however they designed the protocol for it there actually is a way to tell the difference in this case it actually maps to the two to the same thing which i didn't know i mean i don't i'm not that familiar with the master i've played on it a little bit but i've never really like looked at the hardware how it works so that was news to me which is kind of cool and here you can click your directions. You can see that the right left is yeah. triggering a one. And this one, it's re it's reading as Atari compatible versus the Sega, probably because it just doesn't have. As yeah, many the buttons. master and the actual Ataris are kind of like dumb joysticks. They don't give enough information that you can tell the difference between them at all. Um, which he kind of explains in the video on the, on the audio commentary. But uh, on the later ones, like the Genesis level controllers, then it actually can tell the difference. But you saw when he was clicking the one start button, both the this ST and the one button all went. Now it looks like it's is it hot swappable too? Yes. Okay, because now it still says Atari compatible on that screen. Well, he hasn't plugged it in yet. He was just showing you what it oh, was. Oh, okay. <laughs> so here's the Sega 3 detected. Now he's plugged it in. Okay, Sega 3. Oh, just there, oh, up there in the top left where yeah. other, other than that it says Atari yeah, compatible. Yeah, PSG found is just do you have a PSG cartridge even plugged in? And then yeah. if it is, then what, what type of joystick can you detect? That's pretty cool that it's hot swappable and you, you can tell what joystick's plugging in. Um, yeah, here's go through button A1, B2, and C. There's your, uh, was it select or whatever it is? Start. And that one, the start button is separate as far as the hardware is concerned, whereas on the master system, the button one and the start button are the exact same. And they both trigger both at once. So, so it's kind of a backwards compatible 
And you're much more familiar with these more modern game consoles than I am, Stevie. So you can explain what we're looking at here. I think this is a six button. That's a six button one. And um, if that's that looks like that's a Sega official. So just, so it's basically A, B, C, X, Y, Z. You've got some bumpers um, sometimes. Um, like what is this MD button he was hitting here? I, I don't even MD? know. MD? I'm not sure. That might be a mode. If it's a third party one, it might have a different mode for like rapid fire. Some of the third party ones like made by Mad Cats and stuff, they had the buttons and they had like little sliders next to each button where you had like different speeds on, on rapid fire options. So you had like a three levels of rapid fire by holding down a button. Um, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, because uh, here he's going through the X, Y, Z buttons and all that. But there's something on the top of the, like on the edge that he's clicking. That's the one that's triggering MD. So I'm not sure what that is. Oh, you know what that is? Because um, I think the six button controller um on the Sega Genesis you had to put it in six button mode for it to know that you wanted to use all six buttons. Um, oh okay because, so that actually tells it to switch between a three button Yeah yeah because I, because okay. the Sega Genesis originally was only a three button controller and they later on came up with six buttons so that might be what it is. Um and this is an interesting one. It's a mouse that you can also flip over and use as a thumb control trackball. It actually works both ways. It's a design specifically for that. Which I'd never seen that before. He's kind of explaining here that the uh, you can you can roll it on the on the table as a ball mouse, or you can flip it and there's a switch or something to switch out. It's like a little mini thumb sized trackball. Yeah, and then you click on one of the buttons on the bottom and still be your mouse click, it, with like with your index finger when you're holding. Oh, it so you can kind of roll it and click it. That's that's a, that is a special for that, I've never seen that, for that one before, period. So. It's a yeah, and you can see it's actually moving and giving you different values now. Like now, it's not just giving you on off for those; it's actually giving you zero to seven or eight or something like that for each one so it's actually giving you a speed range of how fast you're moving so it, uh, is the genesis then technically an analog it's just that the older versions mm, were digital honestly well no the the, the gen genesis controllers were definitely digital controllers but did it, did it have the ability to read analog values i don't know because i never had anything analogy on the genesis okay well, but they did. But if when you think about it, even the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, the fact that it had the paddles on that input, that was analog, right? That's true. That's so true. the ability yeah. to, I guess, read analog values, or, or you know, other than just on-off digital signaling, I guess, was is part of that circuit. I'd have to. And yeah, and you'll see on the top too. He's got Sega Mouse Japan UK. So maybe this wasn't even available in North America. Ah, okay. I don't know. Yeah, because I never remember seeing it. It's kind of interesting. I, I didn't even know it had that that capability. I just assumed they were all switch based. The, so, so the second Genesis was kind of interesting in a few ways. Number one, it was the first kind of quote unquote next generation because up until then uh, everything was eight bit. So it was the first sixteen uh, bit console. Um, and on top of that, it then later on added a, um, a CD ROM that you could kind of dock underneath it. So it was the first multimedia gaming system. Um, and I think the only thing it didn't really offer was when they when they did the CD-ROM upgrade, they didn't boost the color palette. So I think your color palette was maximum 64 on screen. But there was a lot of stuff using full motion video. They had a lot of titles on Sega CD that were all that we call FMV, but full motion video stuff just kind of dithery looking. So it looks very dated by today's standard, but it was pretty um, kind of groundbreaking for the time to have lots of content that's based on full motion video type stuff on a game system back then. It was the first, you know, nowadays everything is, you know, kind of cinematic and mo-capped and everything else. But back okay. then it was kind of cool. And this one here, I'm assuming is a generic non-Sega. 
version of it? Because uh, I can't see it too well. And I, next time, if you can get it to the point where you can see what the logo is and just pause it for a second, I'll try to focus on that. Um, I think it just says 16 bits. Okay, but because it's got a blue button there, that is definitely not... Okay, 16 bits. So that's completely generic, but I don't see any um, special buttons on this one. So that's just basically kind of like a welfare controller. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, third party. It's a third party product. So. <laughs> but it's fun because you watch and plug, unplug, it'll suddenly say, say Atari compatible because it can't detect anything. And then you plug one of those and it immediately recognizes it's a three button or a six button. Or if it's one of the older master gen or master or Atari ones, it just still says Atari mode. So well, Rocky Hill has to suit. go. Take care, Rocky Hill. So anybody that has one of these PSGs or is interested in programming for these, he's put the uh, disk image that contains this test program so you can actually look through it and see how it works. And is it and written in yourself. basic? Sorry? Is it written in basic? I don't even know, actually. I didn't get a chance. Uh, Ken, have you had a chance to try this? Because I know you have a PSG, don't you? No, I have not tried it. Oh, okay. I know, I know Sheldon has said he's willing to help anybody like with any questions or anything they have. Yeah. He's a good egg, that Sheldon. Um, hey, since Greg is here, do you want to go back and let him talk about whatever it was that we had to skip over? Uh, let me, I'll go to this one because this is the one he was specifically on to talk about. So take it away. Oh, you guys want me to talk now, huh? Yep. <laughs> well, not really, but we're going to allow it. Well, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I just want to let everybody know that uh, Coco Fest is only 27 days away. So time is running out. So I uh, made a post out there on the Glenside's website there and gave a kind of an update with everything that's going on. Uh, so basically this year, the mission is going to be free. So you have no excuse not to come to Coco Fest, especially if you're in the Chicago area. Um, the hotel, you need to book that up by April the 29th. Uh, that's uh, before the uh, promotion code goes away for the $99 a night uh, hotel room. Uh, so... The other thing, too, I've been getting a lot of emails about COVID-19 restrictions. I am happy to announce that Chicago has uh, released all their COVID restrictions. So no mask mandates and no vaccine checking required now at the venues. So we are good to go on that. So I do not see that changing in the near future. At least I hope not. <laughs> uh, also, there's time still to register for the dinner. Just uh, make sure you go to the Tandy list to pre-register for the dinner. It will be the same thing like it was last year. Uh, buffet style. I will be sending out um, a, a poll again like we did last year to have people decide if they want the meatloaf, they want the chicken, the pork loin, or the uh, London broil, or God forbid, the fish. So The London broil was really good. The meat, the meat, the real meat was good. The mystery meat, I didn't try, but I had <laughs> the, the real meat, meat and that was good. <laughs> <laughs> we call that roadkill up here, but... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so uh, the other thing, too, is uh, the speakers. I actually had to turn people away this year. So uh, I don't remember us having that problem in the in the past. But uh, this year uh, I did. And hopefully they'll be uh, willing to speak again next year. So uh, we have a few people here, uh, including uh, Ken Waters and L. Curtis Boyle. Paul Thayer is going to be giving a speech as well. So um, Bruce and Moore, then John, John Strong, Linville, John Strong. Exactly. So it should be, a, everybody should have something that they would like to uh, listen to there. So, uh, and you're purposely uh, having slightly less seminars so that there's time to go between them and still see the show. Right. I think that was one of your, exactly. Um, I had, I had a kind of balance because I've also, I got some hit back from some people say that they prefer to go to the, 
presentations more than they do when to go to the exhibit tables. So I got to kind of make it make everybody happy. So I try to put at least a 15 minute break in between each one. Um, and then uh, I think I'm going to kind of try it a little differently next year. I think also the big thing, too, with this being the year after the covid, uh, I think a lot of people wanted to speak because, you know, not many people spoke last year. So I think more people are wanting to speak this year. So. But, yeah, and um, in person for some of us, because some of us had to do it. Totally yeah, virtual. and that's the other yeah. thing. All the speakers will be in person, so there'll be nobody speaking remotely. So, which will make things a lot easier as well. So, and I'm I'm assuming you guys are going to be okay coming across the border, correct? So, your restrictions are released in Canada. Yep, we don't need uh, to get you know PCR tests or anything before we go either direction. I don't think. I think we just have to have our. There's a little application for coming back in that you have to link your vaccinations with, et cetera. Awesome. So that's good news to hear. Uh, other thing too, we only have nine, nine tables available uh, for uh, exhibitors. So if you are thinking about being an exhibitor for this year's Cocoa Fest, please get in there on Tandy List and make that reservation now because we are down to the last nine tables available. So and that's out of sixty-two, right? Yeah, sixty-two. So we are down that's, to wow. what? That's fifty-three tables that have been booked. So that's a good um, problem to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So there, there's probably a 90% chance that I'm not going to be able to go. And if that's the case, I've got two tables that I've paid for, and I've got a meal that I've paid for that I'll be happily just to donate to somebody else who needs it. Um, and the only silver lining I can think of is that my, my biggest concern was if I was going to be there, having to also try to stream it. It's always, you know, you always feel like you're missing out because you got to be in two places at once or you can't be. Um, so if I'm not there, then I will stream it. All you guys have to do is just have uh, something on Zoom and I'll handle the Zoom and and run it that way. Um, because I, I would not want to have to stream and be there, but if I'm not there, streaming it is the next best thing I'm going to have to being there. So I won't be disappointed <laughs> that I, quote unquote, have to stream the show, right? Um, and so Mikey is saying, everybody, please visit the Pi Drivewire table and give me a hard time. <laughs> oh, we don't have to visit the table for that. Yeah, yeah right. Um, I, I think you should also, the, the tables that are available, I, I wouldn't even, it's for the mindset, don't think you have to exhibit something. You might just want a table to be able to, they, one year they called it a place to call home, right? So if you just want to have a place where you got a table and a couple of chairs to sit, even if you're not going to technically exhibit or show anything, you just want a spot. Um, then, you know, think of it that way, too. Don't think you have to have a project or some arts and crafts to sell to, to, to get a table. And all the proceeds help Glenside. And Lord knows they need it, right? They need all the help they can get. So, um, yeah, cool. But yeah, uh, yeah, hopefully the auction be... there, too, Grant, if you can get in. Sorry. Yeah, uh, probably the big thing with the auction is that since we had such a large auction last year, uh, the auction may be smaller this year because of that. So I'm asking for everybody to look around and see if you have something that you would like to donate uh, for the auction. It would be greatly appreciated. So I know there's a few things that I have around the house here that I have extras of. So I'm going to put those in the auction. So I'm just asking everybody else to look around if they have anything that they would like to donate. And the other thing, too, if you are not going to be able to make it to Cocoa Fest this year, but you do have something that you are wanting to donate, uh, get in contact with me because uh, we are willing to pay a reasonable shipping fees, you know, to uh, just to get the uh, items up here to Chicago to uh, for the auction. So just contact me if you have anything you want to donate. And that's pretty much it. So hopefully I'll see everybody there here 
in 27 days. It's I have a quick question for you, Grant. Um, yeah. I know that in a previous news segment, we, we uh, announced that Jim Brain, that Glenside has become an official nonprofit organization and there's you know, some tax write-offs you can do for you know paying for certain things do donations get covered into that tax write-off thing at all do you know i am not 100 sure that'd be uh, something we have to ask jim but i i do think that if you do like cash donations and stuff like that i i know that you can write those off as a uh, tax deduction but i don't know about actual uh, items that you give so i will defer that to jim just to be on the safe side but i'm sure there's I mean, if you donate something to like Goodwill, that's a tax deduction. So mm -hmm. I would think there's a way we could probably come up and do that. So, yeah, because as far as I know, that's not been an option before. So if it is an option now, we should find out and let people know if they want to donate. They know that at least. They yeah, get a, I'll bring that up with back. Jim Brain and uh, uh, this actually our next meeting is this Thursday. So I'll bring that up with him and see how we uh, want to handle that. Good point. Thanks, Curtis. OK. All right. And that's that's all I have. Anybody else have any other questions or concerns? Grant, how are you going to handle yourself if I'm not there to snuggle with you this year? <laughs> means I'll just have the room to myself. <laughs> I'll just have to send you a special gift. <laughs> I like chocolate. Actually, one, one thing I should add, so just be for like, you know, the personal close friends of mine, but I am planning on bringing some of the Canadian Kit Kats again. So send me a message in Discord if any of you are interested in it. I'll try to get you the Canadian prices for them here next time I go to the store. I'll also try to get a list of the flavors, but let me know if you're interested in getting those, if you want like every flavor possible, or if you want, uh, you know, certain specific ones, once I get the list, which I'll probably be picking up on Monday or Tuesday. So I'll, right, I'll awesome. bring some of those down again. Yeah. Go ahead and put me on that list. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> well, send it, send it to me in discord. So then I, I'll make sure I, like last time I, we did it by word of mouth and I forgot one or two people and they didn't get anything. So or put me on the it. list for some medicinal grade Canadian cannabis. If you have any of that. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, hit but me I up on we're... discord and a private message for that kind of stuff. So cool. <laughs> for, the can for the cannabis. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, geez. Coco Fest. It, it makes the long it. drive go much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've been sitting at this step sign forever waiting for it to turn green. Well, just to man. let you know, let you know, Curtis, that uh, that uh, marijuana is legal in the state of Illinois. So, right, two miles east on the road that the Holiday Inn's at. <laughs> yep, you're good. <laughs> Far okay. Anyhow. Yeah, that this is a cool project though, that Sheldon's been doing with this to. Um, yeah. Well, the Harper's been out for a few years now already. Yeah. And it's fine. It's good to see people actually finally taking it up and actually willing to release, you know, software that people can use to both test it and then also be able to work it into their own projects. So yeah, man, that's cool. Thank you, Sheldon. Okay, then we got a few updates from uh, Mike Rayburn. This is the um, Coco PS2 board that he's been. Yeah, this uh, one I have on Facebook audio for. So let me stop. Share again as a tab. Is that a telescope behind you, Ken Waters? You might be muted. Okay. Okay. So it's this my is tripod one. for filming. Ah, okay. So this is one of those doodle videos. Yeah. We don't see enough of these on the, the internet. Coco PS2, an all-new accessory for Tandy Color Computers One, Two, and Three. You can now use a PS2 mouse and a PC joystick with your color computer. Limited quantities from the first batch will be available April 15th. 
So that was his little like ad for it. Uh-huh. And he's actually got it up on eBay now. So you can get it with a case for $49.99. Eight have already been sold of his initial 20, I think it is. Um, and then he's got an option you can get it without a case if you have your own 3D printer, then it's only $39. And you get the raw, like here's a little instruction bit, you get the cables, you get the power adapter, and then the actual board itself. You can make your own 3D case if you have a 3D printer or have a you know availability of one. And then he did an update just today. Thanks to everybody that ordered a PS2, <clears throat> a Coco PS2. They are being dropped off at the post office this morning. I've ordered 20 more cases from JLCPCB. I should have about 20 more units available in the cell in a couple of weeks. I do still have 12 available without the cases. And it's simple to print the 3D. And he's actually got the files to print the case up available already that you can download if you have a 3D printer. But I mean, if the fact he's, you know, since the 15th, which is yesterday, he's already sold eight of them. Hmm. He's, he's doing pretty good. So it seems to be a pretty popular product. And it's got the little switch where you can go between the, the joystick mode and the PS2 mouse mode. Now, the joystick is hot swappable, I believe. But the PS2 mouse obviously is not because it wasn't hot swappable even on a PC. You're not sharing now, Curtis. Are you aware of that? Because you stopped sharing something. But that's fine. What you were saying right now, we didn't need to see, but just so you know. Ah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Anyway, there, there's this little post from today anyway. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, that's that's the update there. He's, he's already got it on sale. You can get it with a case, without a case. <clears throat> he's uh, If it does sell out, and it, he's sold you know eight in the span of a day already. Uh, I don't know how many he sold without the case. <clears throat> but he's actually planning a second run. He said probably in about two to three weeks. So it should still be in stock if you if you can't get off the first run. Next up, this was kind of an interesting picture. So Jeff Hilb, and I've, I've not seen him before in the Facebook group. So this is a picture of him in February of 1983, this Coco One, uh, you know, complete with, you know, nice time period carpet and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but he mentioned here he's 14, and this was just a few months before he went to the very first Rainbow Fest in Chicago at the Hyde Regency Woodfield. Can you make the picture a little bit bigger, or is that as big as it gets so we can see? Okay, yeah. Look at that chair, dude. This is like uh, you get the albums back there in the corner. This is a whole, this is a time capsule photo if you ever seen one. Yeah, brown and the, browner. Right, you got the floppy drive, little floppy holder there, cassette player, you got cords going everywhere. I mean. I guess that was maybe in a basement or something down there, but yeah, that's probably cool. yeah. Yeah, I like the fact <laughs> he's got his TV on a roller, so he can take it to any room he wants. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. beauty. <laughs> that's a real beauty. <laughs> but uh, the fact that he actually attended the very first Rainbow Fest was kind of cool because I mean, I I didn't go to my first one till '86, like three years after this. But this was the very first one in April of 1983 that he went to. So this is just a couple months before, a month and a half before. So I thought that was a little bit of interesting history. And in fact, they had a disk drive this early on. I mean, that was back when they were really expensive. So so did this library meeting he was talking about really lead to Glenside? Does anyone? I don't know that. I mean, I didn't know about Glenside until 86 myself. So Because he was talking about a meeting in a library, which means there was someone somewhere that said, can we have a meeting in this library who actually started Glenside at some point? Yeah, because the way he words it here, I used to go to the De Plains, uh Public Library monthly COCA meetings in the basement. Ring a bell for anyone? This would have been an 81 to 82-ish. I think that group was the precursor to what ultimately became Glenside. Now, but we'd need somebody like Tony or somebody that's been around right. you know, since early on that would might know that. But yeah, that would be interesting to know. I do know that Glenside met in libraries you know, in the 80s, late 80s and 90s and stuff. But I, I don't know if that was a precursor to it or not. Anybody in chat there that might know, please let us know. Okay. 
I still sharing or does it? You are, and we can see you can see both oh, your, the whole both right your browsers. Yeah, yeah. Let okay. me switch that over to. Uh, <laughs> Are you winning that auction bid on the My Little Pony collection on eBay, Curtis? I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> no, some bastard made Steve Strobridge beat it to it. So. He even went for the whole collection. So. <laughs> okay, let me make this. Uh, let me do like she said and make it bigger. Okay, there we go. The Hardy Boys. And yeah, so Alan Huffman posted this, and I mean, we've we've had multiple Coco settings in movies and TV shows before. It's you know been famous and stuff like Spinal Tap and a few other things. Um, but this is one I'd not heard of before. This is a Hardy Boys episode. For those who don't know, that's the uh, the Teenage Detective Brothers. It's a book series that's been published for oh god, eighty years ago or something. The original ones, but they had a TV series here, and this is from season two, episode one. And there's a lineup of home computers here. So it looks like maybe a Vic 20 or a Commodore 64 in the left two or three here. Yeah. And then there's a Coco. Coco two ish right there. Right on the right. Stuck. Actually, I think it's a Coco one, isn't it? I can't really tell. But yeah, I have to take a close look at that groove on the side and I don't have my Coco one handy. To so that's, that, you can't click on play. That's a screenshot of a pause. Yeah, frame it's a screenshot. Yeah. Okay. All right. Gotcha. But this is this is a show that I I it probably just flashed by really quick. Right. What what year what year was this show on? Was this is this a period piece or is this a show from back? This would have been in the eighties, early. 80s. Oh, so this was the time. This was a show from that time frame. Okay. Yeah. yeah Interesting. So yeah, it was it was another sighting of a Coco a in Coco scene in cinema. Show yeah. That uh, I was not aware of this particular one. I've, like I said, I know a few of them, but this is not one I knew of before. So it's kind yeah. of cool that Alan found that. I think that middle one's a Vic Twenty. Oh, it could be. Uh, next up, this is a person. Stop, I don't know if you he's somebody sharing. in our... This so right. you know. You stop sharing. Uh, right. Sorry, this Curtis. I know I threw your curveball this morning. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, but I think the news goes better when you just talk about it. We don't need to see it. Your voice and your pretty face is all we need, Curtis. Yeah, but that's why you blocked my face with actually showing the news story. I think you got that the wrong way around. <laughs> so this is a YouTube channel called Foosballer, which seems to be pretty new. I don't know if this is somebody that's in our Discord. I'd be curious to know. Um, he's got obviously a lot of old retro systems here from the C64 to a couple of two to a TI-99 to an Atari 800. Um, and I think a model of 4P, it looks like, in the back there. Model yeah. 1 in the background. And uh, basically just kind of shows that he's got a composite video out mod. He's got the Coco SDC as well. So it's only a minute 25, but it's kind of just showing, you know, this particular yeah. part of his collection. So I'll just play it. This is the Coco 2 with a Coco SDC disc emulator and a... Composite video mod from the Zipster Zone. <laughs> Boom. And the SDC fired right up. That good quality composite output on that little monitor, too. Yeah, that little flat screen monitor looks pretty cool. What amazes me is he's got all these retro pieces. He's got such a clean desk. I've never seen that before. Everybody I know has a ton of retro systems. It's like cable madness. This actually looks organized. Yeah, even when you do your best to cable manage, it's still a challenge. Well, that is a pile back there. Yeah. 
Yeah, but yeah. It's, it looks clean. Like I can actually see the tabletop through it. Spot. Yeah, that, right. Not what happens in my house. Well, only you or I would call that clean. <laughs> <laughs> but really like good composite quality on that. I mean, no hair yeah. and bone, no nothing. So that, that's pretty yeah. decent. Anyway, uh, if he's uh, watching this or happens to catch it, I, I would love to you know have him maybe pop by on the show sometime just to say hi and introduce himself. Next up, uh, Jim Gary. Jim Gary Stop was uh, busy. Are you, are you sharing tab uh, by tab? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Sorry, Curtis. Switch to these. Some of these I don't need to play sound, so I can switch to share window. Oh, like when you need to share sound, you have to reshare. I have to stop the share, reshare, because it only does a single tab. And oh. as soon as that tab closes, it's off. If I'm not sharing sound, then I can share a window, yeah. and then you I can, can just switch can, between, can the between tabs. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so this uh, Jim Gary decided to pull something up for uh, good old Easter. That's a screenshot of an MC10, you know, doing a little low res Easter thing. Yeah. With with dinner on it, so that's pretty good. And breakfast is dinner breakfast. the chicken or the egg or both? <laughs> Bre breakfast would be the egg and, and chicken for dinner. I would think. chicken for dinner. All right. <laughs> Protein packed. Yep. <laughs> and then here he did a like normally he's quite famous for publishing a lot of converts converts of uh you know various games from various other platforms to the mc10 and this time he went for some of the more serious stuff so this is the eight queens problem we've actually seen a base nine version james jones did it this quite a while ago and it's basically a, a calculation of where to perfectly place eight queens so that they can't kill each other on the chessboard is what i understand it to be and uh, he did the mc10 version of this here which was a um yeah, this is from the October 1978 version or issue of Byte Magazine. So this is pre-Coco. The original version was written by Terry Smith and Basic. Now, it runs quite slow. <clears throat> so in this case, he's actually got his emulator cranked to eight times normal speed. This one goes to 11. So this is running much faster than normally when it goes through and calculates the old, you know, how many times. Is this a safe spot to put the queen? And if not, it goes through all the combinations until it figures it out. But it, it, even at eight times speed, it's taken a while to run. I don't think the base nine version took this long to run, even without overclocking. Uh, hey, we got a comment from Wi-Fi Sheep, who you showed in the news last week. And he says, hello, um, thanks for including my trailer for the Cambridge exhibition next month. And at the end of last week's show, that was a surprise. You're you're very welcome. I, I like I, I know on the Amigos, they've been talking. They talked about it on their uh, Amigos show here on Friday or Thursday, whatever it was. Friday, I believe. Um, cause they're, they're also promoting it too. Cause uh, it's basically any computer in the UK that is having its 40th anniversary this year is being, you know, highlighted at the show. Cause that includes like the Commodore 64 that first got released in 82, the dragon 64 or dragon 32 got released in 82. The spectrum is a big one that everybody's, you know, hyped up on there because that was, you know, a made in, made in the UK or made in Wales technically, or no Wales dragons made in the UK. But, uh, yeah, it's, they're doing basically all these computers at once. So it's going to be a nice cross-hatch of what the state of home computers was in 1982 in the UK. So yeah, I was, I was no problem promoting that. To, I hope a lot of our UK viewers can actually get a chance to go to it. All right, so what are we trying to do with these queens now? Is this like a, a, it basically a calculates, board? Yeah, it, like the queen is one of the, the one piece that can move diagonal or vertically or horizontally across the entire board. Any number of spaces. Yeah. Too. Right, so right. they're trying to, I th if I understand it correctly, the eight queens problem is trying to figure out where could you place eight queens in the board so that none of them can attack each other. 
So it's like mathematical problem based. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Is that is that correct, uh, Rick? You might know better than I do. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it was doing is finding the places where you can put eight queens. How so many this, are has, there? this has nothing to do with going into like a, a drag show then, right? So this is not, uh, it's a different type of Queens well, problem. Could be. No, that, that's your My <laughs> Pony show I think you're going to later, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so this next one is another con conversion of an older program from 1987 this time, uh, November, by Frank Rees called Digital Display Unit. So basically it, it creates a font in semi-graphics of large letters and numbers and you just type in something and then you get to you know print it out in a larger font. Which could be used for like high scores or you know anything else you want to do it for. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. And that was yeah, so that that's was a nice little quick. subroutine. Like if you wanted to do a high score emphasis because you broke the record on the current you know session with the game or something, it'd be a pretty cool routine to use. And I don't think it would take too much modification to change the colors either. So yeah, that's a beauty. And then the last one is another 1978 conversion by originally by Mark Bramhall. And this is a plotting program, uh, which is doing you know some fairly complicated mathematical graphical plots. Now, the one unique thing about this one here is it's not running an SG4, 64 by 32. He actually is using the modifications. Uh, I think it was it Greg Dion that did these modifications. I can't remember off the top of my head. But basically, it enables the SG6 mode, so it's doing 64 by 48. Uh, so it's using a bit higher res than the MC10 normally uses. I think you only get three colors or four colors on this this version but see all that math that just you know that's a way over my head and i, mean, I suspect this is probably overclocked too it's like a james diff and after graphic renderers yeah yeah like one of his little uh mandelbrots or that uh the hat or the yeah. hat thing that he does yeah but you know it's easier like square pixels whereas the sg4 ones we're used to on the coco are a little bit elongated vertically so and Nick, I know you like square pixels, so this is probably right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Anyway, anyway, it goes through all the mathematical forms. I won't play the whole thing. You can go check it out on, on YouTube on Jim's channel. Then we have an update from a story last week. So we're talking about Fabrizio Caruso had gone to the the community, the other MC10 group on Facebook to get some help. I believe last week it was on sound or something like that on the MC10. So he announced that that time that he was going to start working on the graphical version of the MC10 engine for his cross-platform, kind of like the Infuto thing. Um, and basically, he was having some issues trying to get the C compiler or the uh, assembly I assembler, I should say, working with the high-risk graphics screen. Now, the graphics screen on the MC10, because they don't have a SAM, is not quite the same as what we're used to on the Cocoa. Like in the Cocoa, we can map a graphics screen anywhere in RAM we want on a 512-byte boundary. On the MC10, it's fixed to a specific spot. And what he found out is because this the, the 128 by 96 four-color screen takes 3K of RAM, that uh, the compiler was actually by default putting, or the assembler, I should say, was by default putting the code it was generating into that area. So it would overwrite the graphics. Or if you did some graphics updates on the screen, it would wipe the program out. So he, with the uh, help of Alan Cox, wrote the assembler. And with uh, Simon Jonasson helping as well, they actually got the whole thing solved. So now he's working on getting the engine working for 128 by 96 by 4 high res. And then he's going to take the uh, six or seven games that he's got on his cross-platform thing that he got the text version already running on the MC10 that we saw last week. And he's going to be working on the graphical version. So expect big updates to those. Most of those will probably require the 16K RAM expansion or one of the newer things like the SDX32 or something like that. 
to, to run some of these, but you'll have the option of running some of his games in graphics instead of it just in text characters. And on the Dragon, Stephen Goodwin, who we had a, on the show as a guest to promote the project he's doing of the 20 Go to 10, which is uh, kind of a history of computers, but done in a rather unique way, uh, the way the chapters and stuff are arranged. And he's got it as a crowdfunded thing. And basically, you know, at different tiers, you get certain little perks type things. So one he's added now is he's going to make a poster of the Dragon 32 font. He's got two versions. He's got the T1 VDG, which is what was shown here. And then he's got the original VDG one uh, that he shows later in the comments. Obviously, the original one would be more authentic because I don't think any of the dragons were ever sold to the T1. I think the T1 came out after that. I mean, some people might have upgraded it since to get true lowercase, etc. But uh, the other thing he wanted to announce here is that basically the crowdfunding has hit the fully funded mark. So this is a, an official go-ahead for him to, con to get the book published. So now That's he's correct. basically getting up to the point where it's now pre-order. It's no longer, are we even going to do this? It's, yeah, we're doing it. Here's some extra little perks you get if you're one of the Patreon, you know, supporters type thing. But this is definitely going ahead now, and it will be published. So, and then here's the uh, the original. You can tell by the square O, no slash, the zero, etc. And actually, right. one interesting little comment here is an animated GIF. Uh, I gotta find it in the comments here. Yeah, here it is. Where it actually switches, and unfortunately I can't zoom it, but you can see it's switching between the character sets, and you can see where they all drop down a line on the original, and then they go up a line to make room for the descenders on the lowercase. But then you also see where some of the characters change, like the the star changes, and the square brackets move left to right a little bit. Like there's some subtle changes in there. That the uh, colon and the semicolon, I didn't realize those are so different. Like one's a single pixel period in a column, the other one's like a fattened up two by two square. So that actually looks a fair bit different between them. So there's there's more changes between the two chips than I thought. I knew about the O and the zero and the descenders, everything shifted up. And you know, a few others like the asterisk went from a diamond to an actual star or to an actual asterisk, but uh, there's a lot of changes in there actually. The graphics course are identical, but so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. And then the last one I got here, uh, Sean Billings has uploaded an HFE disk image. And if Sixie's in the chat, he can tell me what that stands for, because I have no idea. And uh, this was created with SuperDOS E6, which I'm assuming is an alternative DOS uh, for the uh, Dragon, from Dragon DOS itself. And basically having a blank image means if you're doing some project that requires or you want it to run their SuperDOS, you've already got it pre-formatted and ready to go. So you just copy files on it and get it running. And I actually do that myself. I have blank OS9 disk images here if I'm you know, doing a quick floppy image for somebody to put something on. I don't go in the uh, emulator, create a new file manually, format and all that stuff. I just have a blank. I just copy and rename it and throw whatever I need to throw on. So uh, that's up and available in the Dragon uh, group on Facebook. Okay, so Karen says HFE is a fairly raw-ish format representing flux transitions. Ah, so that's like David Ladd territory. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> is David on here? I was, I was kind of throwing... He was here and he had to go. Ah, nice. Duty, duty called. D-U-T-Y. Uh -huh. okay. um, and that is it. That news. is the news. Hey, you and know the lady in the background with the newspaper? She keeps... Uh, moving her coffee she finally spilled it <laughs> <laughs> oh lord oh lord so yeah this is us playing around with uh changing things and uh 
you know, for better or for worse. There are, there are things that I can do in this web studio. There are things we can't do. Um, and that's all the news. And man, we're only doing a two-hour show. And my We gosh. do have a comment from 60, though. He did an update here. He said, by the way, the character set Steve posted wasn't T1. You can see he says it was from a 68047, a chip I've never heard of before. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting indeed. I have never um, heard that either. So, um, so we do have some people watching. It would be interesting to hear some audience input on this. And you guys know you can always hit us up on Discord and the um, COVID Talk Lobby stuff. So um, part of the reason for me wanting to set this up is just to provide a mechanism for other people to stream the show. And one of my hopes and dreams was that we have more people to stream for, for a number of reasons. Obviously, to have a backup in case your primaries aren't unable to for whatever reason, illness, uh, conflicts, things like that. But the other thing too was, is I've always hoped that we would have more shows than just the main show. I was hoping we were going to start different offshoots, like, you know, an OS nine and basic nine talk and hardware talk and other things like that. And so I'm just hoping by having an easy to use way to get people to be able to get together and stream a show. Um, hopefully we can create more value added content too. So, so, but the downside is if we use this studio instead of OBS and instead of zoom, we're limited to 10 panelists. And obviously the people here on the panel, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. And also the people watching, what do you guys think of, um, of, of having less, um, less people on the panel? Is, do, you, do you feel the show I'm, is I'm not a big fan of that. I'll be bluntly okay. honest. Okay. Um, now, for the game on Challenge Live, which generally tends to have less people on at once, I think it's perfect for that. Okay. You ought um, to ask the people that can't come on. What they think. <laughs> um, for my part, I'm willing to be a um, mainline restreaming person, whoever the host is, because I'm always going to be here anyway. This is kind of a fun thing. And um, so I could carry OBS and probably, you know, let someone do the, you know, not be the person who does is the host, but the, just the person that carries a load. So Grant doesn't have to do it all the time, um, if that's something that's you yeah. Know. And I would I would definitely use this as a backup, like like you said, Stevie. If somebody yeah, like, streamers can't do it, I would definitely I, like I wouldn't refuse it for that. I I would prefer where we can have everybody on the panel at once to have them swap people in and out. Right. Um, so like we so, lost Nick. We lost you know other people here because of. So again, we 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 can you still use this as kind of an OBS replacement, and just if somebody has two screens, they can share Zoom off their second screen. I still like this as uh, as like a plan A to not have to rely on OBS. But so um, I think there are pros and cons to having more people on the panel. So as much as we didn't have as many people on the panel today, guess what? We we finished the show in two hours. <laughs> so there wasn't much news. Uh, well, there wasn't the a lot reason. of news. But you know, there there. So um, you know, and when you, when you talk about um, uh, hosting, right? So I, I don't know that there needs to be a quote unquote person who's the host, right? It just needs somebody who can be on the show the whole time to stream. I think the um, I, I think the challenge is having people use OBS because they they are unable to set it up or they don't have the right hardware or the right operating system to do it effectively. And so I'm trying to um, create an environment where any, anybody who, who has not been able to set up OBS in the past two years, I've been asking for backups. I have now created an option for them that does not require them to have to set up OBS. For those who are able to set up OBS and use OBS, 
please do. But so far, that has been Mark Bosley. Nobody else has done it. And, and as I mentioned before, I need to take a break from streaming the show. So right now, this is in Mark Bosley and God's hands on how these shows are going to go. So um, we're in trouble. You know what I mean? And nope. again, now now it's like no, it's all on Mark's shoulders, right? So I mean, if you don't mind doing it, you're a trooper. God bless you. But I'm I'm just trying to think of you too, bro. Um, you know. Um, so what? Whatever. I don't I don't know. But yeah, has it been a little bit of a challenge to figure out how to navigate all the windows and the in the videos and the sharing? Yeah. What could we possibly get past that and make it where that's less of a thing? Possibly. But what, so the bottom line is a couple of things. Number one is, is 10 people not enough for the show? Would be question number one. I, I think no. it's too few because, I mean, most of the time when I log in, you know, at the start of the show, there's usually 15 to 16 people or sometimes we have 20, especially with guests where a lot of people want to come on and ask questions and stuff there. Then it's that's like you're cutting the audience in half or the panel in half. Yeah. Right. My, my two biggest beefs with this is that the 10 is a bad limit for me. And but I think for a lot of people because they want to actually be on the show. Um, but on certain shows where there's not much going on, that might be fine. So I'm not saying. Yeah, like shows like today are probably fine yeah. for having a more limited number. Yeah, although some people that yeah. wanted to be on had to leave. Yeah. I mean, that's that was the problem, too. Like when I went out to reload everything in Chrome because it doesn't like Safari, there's another beef of mine because Chrome on my machine's a pig. Um, I couldn't even get back on because it was full. And the other, the other one that personally hits me, and this is because of the way I do the news, I usually open up two separate windows in a browser with all the tabs for the game on news, and I have a separate one that has all the tabs for the regular news. And then I just switch the tabs as I go through, and I share sound for the entire thing. Mm -hmm. So I just instantly switch, and that does not work in here. The only okay. way I can share sound is if I do one tab at a time. That's a pain in the foot. Okay. <laughs> so, so, again... Right now, the only person who can do OBS is Mark Bosley. Okay, no, I, no, I understand. And, I understand the um, reasoning for doing. But this. If, we, if let's say we don't use OBS, if somebody has two monitors, then they can run this in one monitor and then share the screen. Uh, of so, I'll just, for example, right now, if I, um, I'm just going to share my right hand screen, uh, which is here on the bottom. Okay, so the screen I'm sharing right now, and if I make it full screen. Um, where you see this wallpaper over here. Okay, that would be OBS. So we, I mean, not, no, that would be Zoom. So we could still run Zoom full screen and just have this as the quote unquote OBS replacement for those who can't do OBS and still stream the show. But what that's now that requires somebody with two monitors. Um, and so if we have more than more than one person who can do that and can't do OBS, then we can use this as the OBS replacement and still use Zoom. Um, so... Yeah, that's I, part I, of the learning curve to learn about these types of things. Right. I got a question. Yes, Ron. Well, why can't we just use um, Zoom like everybody else uses Zoom and not have all the frills? Just say Coco Because you Talk can't stream from Zoom. You need something else to be able to stream well, the show. you can share screens. You can't stream yeah, you directly can't from Zoom. Twitch and YouTube and stuff. I can't, yeah. I, we can't stream yeah, from the Zoom. The only way people that would see that, Ron, is if they joined the Zoom call directly. You wouldn't be able to watch it from YouTube or Facebook or, or Twitch. So our, to our be a bigger right. audience that's not on the panel would not be able to watch us live. There's no software to, to rebroadcast re it. That's what OBS is for. Well, yeah, there's that. There's there's a second piece of software required, which then requires two screens. And so I was trying to propose a solution to make it simple, where anybody who did not have a fancy setup could still be a potential backup to streaming the show. 
So, anyways, um, so yeah, it seems like most of the people in the in the uh, in the chat right now are saying they like more panels members, and that's fine. And that's fine. Like I said, um, um, all I know is is that I, you know, for 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 a to be determined amount of time, I I can't be the driving uh, factor on streaming the show. Um, so um, it, it, right now, Martin, if you want to speak up, Mark B, if you know if you feel like I'll just take over and I'll do it, that's great. But I don't know that that's fair to you either. So you know, what what do the Patreons expect? What could you I, teach I me, Mark? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we can uh, 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 we work on doing some setups. Man, yeah, I bought, and I bought the computer. I just need a graphics card. Yeah, good luck uh, in getting that right now. <laughs> well, that's why I just bought the computer, but I did get a 10700 CPU, so I'm right. good to go as soon as I get a graphics card. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know that the show needs to have ticker tapes and scrolling and overlays and all these things. I think the show needs to have a panel and needs to have content. The window dressing to me is not as important, but it'll be there to some degree. Um, I think having the discussions and having the content and having the news, that's, that's the important, but the content and the discussions is what the show is. The, the, the visual elements to me are not as important. Uh, but again, I agree with that. yeah. So, and I don't think we're going to lose that, um, no matter what we do. So I do like the, having a large number of people to chip in because some of these shows, the, the coolest stuff comes out of left field. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And the more people have them, the more chance you have if somebody has expertise on something that comes up. Like, I'm not an expert on a lot of stuff, and I'll, especially if it's hardware stuff, for example, in my case. I might talk about a new store, and I have absolutely zero idea what I'm talking about. So right. it's, it's nice and handy having, having the Rick Ulins here. And if it's maybe a game writing philosophy, then you know it's better having Nick here or whoever else. So that that's why I like the large panels, too. The same thing. You have that variety of opinion, that variety of knowledge that can be done. I mean, right. And, and but this, this is good uh, enough to get a show out. If there's yeah, exactly. any other way to get it out. Yeah. Okay. Is there a, uh, a pay to get more viewers option? No, um, I asked about no, that. No, no, no. Unfortunately, oh. this, the, uh, we are paying for this. And oh. what, what, what paying for it does is let you customize things, but it doesn't increase the headcount. And that and, might be the fact oh. this is running in a browser. It's like running in a browser. This is, this is all running completely in a browser. So you're limited um, by what a browser can handle. Um, oh. Right, Chrome's and, been walloping on me. I mean, twenty six percent on this new thing—that's a lot. <laughs> no, Chrome is a pig. That's why I. When well, yeah, it, the but only I mean, this is right. Chrome and not Safari. This is piggy like, compared to normal. Right, but so, but the thing too is, if for, for, in order to stream it the traditional way, you need to have a fair amount of bandwidth because you are responsible for the pipe that goes out to the rest of the world. It's coming from yeah. your home. You're receiving your all the streams and then yeah. sending it out as a. Compliant. So you need to have adequate bandwidth. You need to have an adequate computer with adequate CPU and GPU. You need to have at least two screens, and then you need to set up OBS. Now, to be frank, setting up OBS should not be a barrier to entry for multiple reasons. Number one, I can export everything. Number two, I will I will spend as much time as needed to work with somebody to set them up and help them get there, but nobody's done it. You know, other than Mark B, nobody's really spent the time to actually bring it to the finish line, set it up. And well, Grant's done it once or twice, right? And back in the day, Rob Inman did it, but nobody's done it. And I'm just at the point now where I need, you know, I, I need to step to the side on the streaming side of this and I need somebody else. And right now it's Mark B. And if Mark B can't do it, nobody else has stepped up to do anything. So this was my solution to help out whoever else that's going to be for better or for worse. 
And this was a great crash test by doing a live show on it. See, will this work? And yeah, it works. Yeah. It's not quite it, the same. I definitely would keep it in as a backup. I think Game On Challenge would be excellent for it because there's a smaller panel. That problem issue goes away completely because you don't have 10 people or more on Game On. Or some side shows, like if we ever wanted yeah. to do it. Like anybody wants an impromptu, like, like a Base Benign stream or whatever, that, this would be perfect because you don't have to call <laughs> Stevie. You don't have to call Mark and set it all up. All right. That, well, Mark, that's, that's Mark you're doing the next show then. Talk to us about how you feel. Uh, yes, I'll be doing the next next show in the traditional manner with obs yeah, yeah. with obs okay. and zoom so yeah when we have a guest i think we pretty well unless unless it's absolutely dire circumstance i think we pretty well have to because you generally tend to get more panelists on when they know there's a guest especially if it's a popular one they want to talk to because everybody wants to get in and get their questions right so that's when we usually have like 20 to 25 people on not 10. yeah and i right. should also be able to help out too after coco fest and after storm chasing season as well too so i'm, I'm slow mm -hmm. to change anyway Hey, I still work yeah. with 40 year old computers. <laughs> and, and so, and 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 just to be clear, the only thing that I need to step away from for for a period of time is just streaming the show. I hope to be on the show from time to time, but to be honest, and I'm I'm putting myself first, guilty as charged. If I don't have anything to say, which most of the time I don't, I technically don't need to be here. You know, I like being here. I like talking to you guys. I like talking crap and making fun of whatever we're talking about. But if we had to, if this would became the Sophie's choice, and let's just say for whatever reason, the world changed and we could only have 10 people, I don't know that I'm one of the 10 most important people that needs to be on the show or on the call. I mean, right now, the two most important people are Curtis and uh, Ken, because they're running segments that are big parts of the show. Everybody else here is is a bonus to have. So... You know what I mean? Like, I didn't need to be here today other than I'm the one who's streaming I, the show. Honestly, so. Stevie, I think you're underselling yourself. One thing you have that none of the rest of us have, you have almost like a radio personality. Like, you can it's pick a up talent. a dead spot and immediately what, what get it back what, on what track. What are you talking about? What, what do you mean? <laughs> because, okay, a deep south radio personality. Um, <laughs> sorry. Timing and stuff. But yeah, but, yeah, but you, you, you're you able to get the show into a flow that none of the rest of us have this natural aptitude. It's from back from your comedy days where timing's everything. Like, you, you have this natural knack for it or at least you've you've trained on it a lot doing the comedy you know circuit type thing that none of the rest of us have not a single one of us have that that ambiance that you have to get it as a natural sounding show <laughs> well thank you for that but i don't know well listen i'm i'm a modest person and whatever but yeah that's nice to hear i i just you know i don't know i just feel like a lot of times i'm taking up dead air and space on the show because i you know i don't always have time uh to, during the week to even i want to be let's, let's to be completely completely honest like i haven't done any real cocoa stuff in probably two years other than dabbling on cocoa pie other than doing this i have i just haven't had time and my life has been so chaos i haven't so i feel like i don't deserve to be here i'm not using a cocoa i'm an imposter why am i even here in the first place you know i mean there are you well, guys are doing aren't stuff you, aren't <laughs> you also doing a blog or something an extra thing uh, well, and I have another podcast, too, right? Yeah. So yeah. you're going to start uh, concentrating on that and that takes away from us, right? No, that doesn't, that does not, it's not going to take up a lot of time. It's just right now weekends, there's a lot of things that I'm not able to do on the weekends that I need to be able to do. And that's true for all you guys. So it's not like I'm saying, Hey, I'm special and I need weekends to do stuff. Everybody does. We're all making sacrifice. But for me, the weekends are the only time I can get anything done. And there's so many things I've been so far behind on for so long. I need to focus on I mean, a lot of things, yeah. you know what I mean? And so something has to give somewhere. Um, so, um, I'm just trying to say, I don't want to be the main driver. I don't mind being a backseat driver. 
Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not going to not be involved. I'll be in Discord every day. I'll be still doing everything we need to do for the show every week. I just don't want to have to have the show live and die by my ability to carry it on my shoulders all the time. You know what I mean? So I just saw a, 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 a chat room thing here from Tommy Erickson saying what I've missed the most is the setup is the chat window. So the stream itself is not seeing the chat window. Is that no, no, no. It's the um, the the overlay chat where you could see everybody in here. Um, the sidebar that we had on the other one. And and I took that out just because for a couple of reasons. Number one, it eats up a lot of space on the screen. Yeah, because you can't resize it. Yeah, you can't point. resize it. And number two, it would have to be on all the time or it wouldn't um, it wouldn't catch it. So, right? So, um, there. So, like I said, Exile in Paradise uh, just said something. It says the consensus is that OBS remains, remains like basically plan A and restream is plan B. But plan A requires somebody who's got the hardware and the setup and the time to do it. And right now, again, that's one person. So maybe I'm overthinking this. I'm, I'm worried about Mark and maybe I don't need to be worried about Mark, but I was also just trying to give you guys something to where any one of you can do not only this show, but any other show you wanted to pull out of the thin air. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Mark, I'll reward you. I'll bring you a free Kit Kat. Will that, will that make up? <laughs> right, and David Craker just says he likes having less stuff on the screen. Right. So um, that that's that's why I did not have the live chat in here. Again, this whole thing is. being. Yeah, I, I can understand that now that I see how big that is and the fact you can't. Yeah. Decide, that is a lot of real estate. So I agree. Right. So it's so. Yeah. Again, there are some there are some serious um, limitations to some of the visual um, elements and how we can position things and do things um, that we don't have. So we lack a lot of flexibility, but there is a. But you got some added flexibility in other ways, like you were mentioning, like highlighting. And being able to highlight messages. the chat message like I just did here, yeah. right? That is a cool feature that we don't have right now. What we're now. basically saying is that somebody needs to actually out in, in OBS writing land or something, write the perfect solution that includes all these new features that are in here from Restream and, and combine it with OBS and make it super easy to use and make it runnable from a browser. Like it's up to them uh, to fix it. And it should have a real-time <laughs> clock and a sound chip and drive wire. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah. So a lot of time has been spent um, over years of refinement, getting our OBS layout to where it is. It didn't it didn't start that way. And it's a continual kind of work in progress. So I do like the OBS layout. I'm not saying it was bad and it was broken and it needed to change. This was me trying to be proactive to a degree and uh, feel less guilty by, by saying, well, guys, I got to step to the side for a little bit. So uh, but I never not feel guilty, unfortunately. So. <laughs> so. Like I said, it, it would be excellent for Game On Challenge because it'd be easier. Like if Sloopy can't make it or Ken wants to host, he doesn't have to set up OBS. Mind you, Ken, I think you already have OBS set up for your own stuff, don't you? Or I do, yeah, but yeah. Um, no. I'm not sure how well I could do like a restream like that because my bandwidth is not great for doing more than just me. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, but I listen. I love uh, I, I love doing this show, and I love chatting with you guys, even if it's only once a week. And I love the fact that other people have made a commitment to share this time with us. I don't take any of that lightly. Uh, you know, like I say, Saturdays it, we all are in the same boat. Saturdays for most people, that's our free day. This is our time off. What are we choosing to do with our time? Everybody here in the panel is choosing to be on the show, which I've always appreciated, and I respect and admire you guys and the people who watch us are here watching us and. Again, I appreciate all of that. And I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that to go away. I just I don't want anything to have to suffer if I can't be the one, you know, holding the hose, streaming, the, you know, streaming the th stuff. You know what I mean? So, well, Rick, you're mentioning that you you have a machine capable. You're 
getting a graphics card? What's what's your bandwidth that you've got at, at your place? Um, what's required? Um, my plan right now is pretty low. It's twenty five down and six up, but that's what it always is because it's fiber to premises. So six up is good enough. I mean, you can you, yeah. you can. We, I've been streaming the show between like two and four megabits when I was using OBS. Oh, okay. So and I lowered yeah, the bandwidth. Like seven milliseconds ping. So I got a good internet. I think. Yeah, and so this, again. If somebody wants to sit down and do it and get it set up, I will make the time to help you get it set up and we can do a series of tests until you're comfortable doing it. I've made that offer. I've been making that offer for so long I can't even remember. So if Rick, if you're the newest one who wants to try to, to do that, reach out to me and I will make time for you to get you to get you to where you need to be, where you can do it on plan A and plan B. Like I'm thinking for the for the uh, the Cocoa Fest itself, this platform would be perfect because it's easier to set up you know you don't have to have somebody there do it from you're not a, have a lot of panels because everybody's gonna be live at the show mm -hmm. so this would be perfect for that that just do the live stream of the whole show start to finish i think you're not gonna do a whole lot of segments there it's just more i guess gonna be streaming you know just a live stream yeah the whole it's thing. gonna be no. you'll be streaming like a seminar or maybe the show floor but not 10 people at once right so the 10 right. limit doesn't matter for doing a live right, right, stream. Right. So I think it'd be perfect for that because it's super oh, yeah. easy for somebody to set up and just start. Right, right. And so, and the other, there, the other platform that I will be testing too is another one that was called um, StreamYard. But again, it's limited to ten people, but it might have different features. And if those features are better than the restream features, I might enable that on our Cocoa Talk account as a, instead of using restream, we would just use StreamYard. Um, but we'll see. So I'll test that one out on my other podcast and see um, how that works. Um, but it, it's right now we have a plan B, which we've never had before. So we do have a plan B. And and even this, even though it is fairly, um, um, it is somewhat user friendly, there's still a little bit of figuring out how do I sign in? You know, like, you, you know, you guys got to sign in as an admin so you you can mute people and unmute people and things like that. So there's some of that that I'll be happy to spend time with you guys getting you all set up on this. Yeah, what you have to do with OBS anyway. I mean, you have to. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, we've had that discussion. It seems like... Uh, Seems like you know. It seems like I mean, the... it's it's working. Um, yeah, there are some kinks to it. Like it, one that affects me greatly is the tab thing. That right, and the there were some audio glitches before too. Like just hearing kind of that high pitched squealing yeah. sound. Nobody's fault. It just kind of did. Yeah, and that hissing you guys were getting from me was because of the auto gain and everything else. There was trying to like mm. ramp up because it didn't hear yeah. me talking. You know, like everybody right, that. heard that. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean the, the stream quality looks good. I mean, hopefully the audience agrees. I mean, I'm watching it live on our you know in the browser, which I'm assuming is basically the same bandwidth that everybody else is seeing. It's been smooth. I haven't seen any herky. Yeah, I, one thing I did notice every now and then when you first started a screen share, the quality was kind of blurred out, like it had to focus in. So like the yeah, it's probably the, ramping up the bandwidth a complete yeah, scene yeah, change yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. like right now so most like, of this is compressed. Right, right. So um, but yeah. Anyways, it was this was hey this was a great uh, trial by fire. <laughs> yeah. for better or for worse I drag and, and it is better having a backup even with only 10 even with the annoyances of tabs sharing sound like i'm having that's right. it's still better than no show by far and right now i know like sloopy can't do the game on so if a couple of us know how to do this we can host um, the game and, on. and to have somebody join it as just a panel as just a guest all you gotta do is share the link and then however they're sharing to um um, however they share to oh, uh, what Discord, they should be able to share here too. So if they're doing it through a capture, they should be able to feed that capture like it's their camera. If they're sharing the screen from their emulator, they should be able to share that screen to here. So the process of what they're doing shouldn't change. It's just the platform they're doing it on would. 
right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. One, one thing I do notice, and it's only with Ken, is that the audio was out of sync with the video. Ken never... did seem like his his lip sync had a lip sync issue, and that might just be because of the computer you're on or your bandwidth or your browser. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's yeah. like watching the Japanese kung fu movie, right? Yep. So... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's fine here. Die, Scott. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Cool, cool. All right. Um, so how about we go ahead and we'll we'll run the uh, we'll run the outro and then we'll be back for a final final thoughts and yeah, after maybe throwing in uh, the Terry promo one more time at the end too. So. We, yeah, and hope, maybe it, maybe it will or won't um, echo this time because I noticed later things did not echo. Let's try running the Terry. We'll we'll run two. First, I'm going to try the DeBruce Moore one. This is something you'll see at Coco Fest. Let's try this right now. For many a year, peace has reigned throughout the realm. In the forest, nothing but ruins of an ancient an fortress remain to fuel the myth of the evil yeah, wizard. I am too. Maybe Tales of your ancestors' their, uh, quest are met with laughter. Mockery follows your warnings. Okay, that one that one had echo, and I don't know why. And the but Terry Steen one. Delay. The Terry Steen one had echo too, so let me try that one. Hi, this is, Hi, this uh, is Terry uh, Steen, author of a couple games like, like uh, Grey yeah. Lady. Yeah, that's got an echo. And I don't know why, because when I ran like the Nightmare Highway clip, that did not necessarily... Here, here's a funny one. This is from Allison Deneu. We'll just play this for craps and giggles. Let's see if this echoes. It's echoing. So it's the ones you run that way as opposed to the ones running as a graphic. But some of them didn't, though, it's, which is weird. Like when I ran Nightmare Highway, it didn't echo. Let me try Nightmare Highway again. Now it is. Now it is. That's weird. I don't understand that. Okay, whatever. That, whatever. What are you going to do about that? All right, so let's run the outro, and then we'll be back for final thoughts. Includes another episode of Cobra Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer, MC10, and Dragon systems. For all things Cocoa Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, cocotalk.live. Cocotalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Curtis Boyle, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, George Jansen, Grant Leedy, James Diffendapper, Jason Reichert, Jim Brain, Ken Reichert, Ken Waters, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave 6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Ulin, Rob Inman, Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T.com. 
The original Cooper Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Cocoa Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! Alright, so that is the final credits. And uh, Kevin Holloway says goodbye, everybody. Take care. Kevin Holloway, Rocky Hill. Uh, Chris Duras is here. Uh, thanks for being here. And Jim Rye has been here in Rocky Hill and uh, AC's 8-Bit Zone, Mark Overholzer and Sixie and Daddy Burrito and Exile in Paradise and Rick Yu, David Craker, Wi-Fi Sheep. Lots of people on the panel. We had some like 49, 50 people watching us live. Mikey has been here. Lots of people here. Thank and every week, again, I, I personally appreciate uh, the fact that people come here every week and made this part of your weekend. I appreciate the hard work that everybody who shows up to be on the show does every single week. This is something I look forward to. This is one of the only few things I have to look forward to. But, um, you know, I do, I do need to focus on a few other things outside of my hobby that are going to take up some of my time for a period of time. Now, it sounds um, like you have some catching up of these things to do. Like you kind of let them slide until you can't let them slide. Anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, so uh, anyways, for anybody who was annoyed with the way the show looked today, um, blame Putin. Okay, that's all I got to say yeah. about that. Or so. blame me because you saw my face most of the show. So. <laughs> and uh, yes. And, uh, and listen, just remember, there's always going to be a happy place in our lives as long as we have David Ladd. And I think that's the important part. That's the takeaway from all this. God bless David Ladd. All right. Final thoughts, anybody? Anyone? Anyone? Looking forward to the interview next week with. Uh, I am too. Terry. I am going to miss it. I love Terry Steen. I love me some Terry Steen. And um, good stuff. So Mark, how, how are we going to know how we're, we're going to go on online? Are we going to be in this format or OBS? I, I think next week we'll use OBS just because I'm expecting with Terry being a guest speaker that we're going to have way more than 10 people wanting yeah. to get on. Yeah, and so if, whenever you're not sure, you can reach the... If, I don't know how often you get on Discord during the week, Ron, but if you just go into the Coco Talk lobby, you can always throw something out there yeah. too. The only way I knew about this was you... you I messaged you, yeah, because I don't think you do check on that much. But um, yeah, I didn't know either, to be honest. Yeah. I logged into the Zoom. It's like, there's nobody here. What? Next, week, next week's <laughs> a normal show. Next yeah. week's a normal show. So Zoom, I, I did jump on, on Zoom. Discord and look. Okay. Well, I didn't put it. Where, where would it be? Um, well, that future. was mostly in our in our planning channel only. I was just telling our oh. um, our, uh, our this, this kind of staff on that. Um, all right. Tim Franklin says, Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter to you, Tim Franklin. Happy Resurrection Day tomorrow. Hopefully everybody has a good time with your family. All it's that good stuff. Chocolate Bunny Day, not Resurrection Day. Yeah, so there's that lip sync thing. There's that damn kung fu movie. Yeah. Uh, Ken Waters going well, on there. Yeah, you are. I seconds. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I guess say goodbye, everybody. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs>